Well, God, we love you. It's, it's Friday night, and um, we just be in, in so many different places in the city. I, I reflect on all the Friday nights I wasted and was wasted. And, um, and just it's, it's, it's incredible just to be in a, in a church uh, with young people who I know you desire to change the world through. And, and Father, I pray that um, for those in the room that desire to be married, and I, I can only imagine that that's probably everyone here. Um, Father, I pray that you would uh, bring them to a place where they should be and then bring them to a place where they would meet the person and, and spend the rest of their life uh, with that. We pray, God, against divorce uh, for these folks. Um, and pray that, that when they do marry, that uh, that, that would be forever. And um, we acknowledge that that's hard. Uh, and so just preparing us just a, a way, Lord, would you, your spirit, just pave a path for us to do this right, specifically dating, and um, yeah, just help us in that. Help us in that effort. Guide us. Lead us. Help us to surrender to you. And Father, we give you this night, and um, Father, if there's someone here, they have something like a, a preconceived notion, they have something they want to get out of the evening, would you stir in them just the courage to ask their question so that they can at least leave here with that answer um, from your scripture? And God, would you, by the power of your spirit, bring to mind the scriptures that you would have Scott and I address? And so thank you for this incredible opportunity. We love you. Amen. All right. Hey, we're excited to be with you. We also acknowledge as we start that there's folks here for all different reasons. Some of you are in a relationship. Uh, some of you want to be in a relationship. Uh, and so you're anywhere on that spectrum. Um, some of you... Uh, you know, maybe just got out of a relationship, and some of you uh, just would like to even know what a relationship like is, is like. And so, there's there really is everyone in the room uh, on all sorts of broad spectrums. And so, you came here for different reasons. A lot of I've taught this class before, and I know people want it tailored to exactly where they're at in life. And the reality of it is, is people are all over uh, that spectrum in life. And so, just we're going to do a Q and A on the back end so that we make sure that we cover that specific thing that you came in here. Uh, tonight to cover. And so I do ask that you would text that in. Scott's going to give you more information on on that. And so my name is JP Jonathan Pacluda. I have the privilege and the honor to serve uh, in the young adult ministry here at Watermark. I've been on staff for about seven years and uh, we do this this deal called The Porch here on Tuesdays. And um, and so get to see the interworkings of a lot of relationships. Get to see what works and get to see what doesn't work. And this this week I was sitting with my family. We had a movie night. Movie night's a big deal in, in, uh, at at the home of Team Pakluda. Uh, my my girls love movie nights. They get to choose it, whatever they want. Uh, I always hope they go for something free on Netflix. But every now and then, you know, they go like for not free on Amazon. I got to pay for it. And this this was an Amazon night, and they wanted to watch my little. Pony. Uh, and, and so, okay, you know, taking one for the team, and we sit down, and, and even had to pay three ninety nine for that bad boy. Got My Little Pony, and uh, and we're watching it. And my so my girls, I got a picture. My girls are, are six. Presley is six. I got a little bitty boy who's one, and then uh, and then Finley. I want you to pay close attention to Finley, closest to me right here. She's four years old, and uh, she's a huge My Little Pony fan. This one, and we're we're watching it. And uh, this, this kind of boy pony comes on the scene. And my four-year-old goes, oh, he looks nice. <laughs> I'm like, it's a horse. 
she's like, he looks nice. I, and so Monica and I are like, you know, taken aback. And we're like, well, what, what, why? What, why does he look nice? <laughs> and she goes, I don't know, because he's a boy. And, uh, and so in the, in the movie, there's magic and there's all sorts of things. And there, of course, there's like this prince pony and this princess pony and the prince and princess pony go off to live happily ever after. And so after we circle them around like we do on movie night and we just say, hey, what was the truth and what was the lie? And we're talking through these things. And hey, is there really such thing as magic? And hey, where does all power dwell? And we talk about God and these things. And then I just said, and Finley, oh, you, talk, you thought that one pony looked nice. You know, tell me more about that. And she just goes, Daddy, I just want a boyfriend. <laughs> like, y'all are laughing. I cussed. <laughs> I was like, what? You want a boyfriend? You want a boyfriend? Like, why? And she goes, I don't know, Daddy. I just do. I just want a boyfriend. <laughs> Guys, this... This was this week. It haunted me for two days. I didn't sleep for two nights. I'm, I'm serious. I just kept hearing those words. I want a boyfriend. My four-year-old, I'm like, where does this come from? You know? and, and then so lo and behold, we scheduled a little daddy-daughter date. I told her that I was going to be her boyfriend until she was at least 25. And, and, then, and then I was going to find a boyfriend for her. And, uh, and, and it turns out, this is really cute. It turns out that she just thought, when we talked about she couldn't have a boyfriend, she thought that meant she couldn't have a friend who was a boy. And so we got to talk through that. And it was, it was fun. But here's why I tell you that up front. Because since you've been, since you were four years old, you, you've been fed this stuff from the world. And everyone came in here this evening with these preconceived notions of what dating is. And dating's a very new phenomenon. Dating at one point when it was born was synonymous with prostitution. I mean, that, that's really where the word comes from. And, and so we have, you probably didn't know that. We don't know what dating is. We do it. The world does it. Every, and, and Scott and I aren't here to tell you tonight that we kissed a goodbye. Uh, we really want to tell you what the Bible has to say about it. See, there's, there's what the world says about it. And there's what the Bible says about it. There's what My Little Pony says about it. There's what The Bachelor says about it. There's what, you know, anything that you can see on TV says about it. Your soap operas say about it. And and if you're brainwashed by that stuff, you're going to go about it like the world does. And this is the point of tonight's message. The world's track record is awful. It's awful. Like divorce rates, I don't know if you noticed, like they're going through the roof. And then like even like uh, contentment in marriage is way, way, way down. The, the world's track record is not very good. And as we've moved from a world away from biblical values, like everything has gone in the tank. And so what I want you to do right now is, I don't know if you've seen like on, um, on Men in Black, like he like zaps their memory and like they're, like I want you to forget everything you know and let's relearn from the scriptures. Because the world is like this really arrogant person that shows up on the scene that says, you're a fool if you don't do it my way and I know what's best and you can go on Cosmos and see 10 tricks to make your man happy and all of this crazy stuff and the world says, yeah, I know and no one else knows. And then you're like, well, show me your track record and it's really 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 bad but the track record between two people who are radically sold out for Christ is really 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 good and this is my friend Scott Kadersha. He's one of uh, the greatest men that I know. I thought about that. I, I weighed that introduction carefully. And I was like, is that true? I'm like, yeah, I, I think he's probably, you know, top three, maybe, you know, maybe top five uh, of the greatest men that I know. And, and I'm serious. That's a, that's a real thing. And so when I came on to Watermark, Scott and I got to share our office. We know each other well. Scott heads up one of the largest premarital ministries in the country. Okay. Two, over 2,000 people have come through that ministry. And, and both Scott and 
and I ha- have had the privilege and the honor to do many weddings. What, a wedding, you guys are like, oh, you know, you're privileged to do my wedding. Your weddings are a whole lot of work, okay, because you've got to meet with the couple beforehand and, and try to make sure that, you know, they're, they're set up for success for what's about to happen, and, and we do love doing them, but they are a whole lot of work. And, and, uh, and, and so Scott and I have both done a ton. Neither of us have seen a divorce from anyone that we've married, praise God. Uh, and, and so we, we have a pretty good uh, perspective on this thing, not because we got some wisdom that we read from Cosmo, but we got this really good handbook from the one who created the heavens and the earth. He made sex. He made them male and female. He spoke things to existence. And we've just kind of been studying this thing. And it says a lot about relationships. And so I think as you listen to my friend Scott tonight, uh, you know, you're, you're going to learn a lot about this idea of dating. And so he's just going to come up and talk a little bit through just the, the flow of the evening and things you need to know. Yep. Thanks, man. So um, those very kind words, JP, I just want to tell you, you're probably like one of the top 15 or 20 guys on, I know. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we actually, it was really fun. We, we came on staff around the same time in 2006, and we actually shared an office, and we, we called it the Clothis. It was a little room but over in the tower, no windows. No windows. No windows. It's, it's like one of the worst rooms on this campus, and so we got to share that time together over the years. This is my family over here, uh, my wife, Kristen, and then I, we do not watch My Little Pony in my home. <laughs> we have four little boys, and so we watch football. We watch like uh, um, the Book of Manning this week. They watch 30 for 30. UFC. We watch, uh, not yet, yeah. <laughs> lots of football, lots of Legos. Definitely know My Little Pony. And so we, we come from a different world. Uh, married to my wife, Kristen, for about 12 years. And it's, uh, it's been a great, great 12 years. Apart from my um, relationship with Christ, this is the best thing that I have going in my world. Uh, and we, we, were, we were pretty ugly on the pre-married side. We'll tell a little bit of our story maybe later on, but we did not come into this thing in the way that I would want any of you to go into marriage. And JP would give you the same story with him and Monica. Very rough in the way they dated, the way they pursued each other, and I don't mean rough in a physical way, but just in not, not the kind of way that we would want you to pursue each other. And so we're coming at it now from after being married 12 years, and then you're at a decade now. Uh, we're, we're nine years. Nine yeah. years. That's what I meant. Nine years. And so we're coming at it from, from just a totally different view than where we were when we were in your seats. Here, here's the logistics for tonight. We're going to talk about the big questions of dating. That's why we called it questioning dating. And so the who, the what, the why, the when, the how, what is dating? We're going to unpack some of those things. And what we're really going to do is give you an idea. Here's what the world says. Here's what you've been told. Maybe even here's what the church has told you. And then we want to really unpack, here's what the Bible says, the best thing to say about dating, about who to date, why to date, how to date, etc. This number that we'll leave up on the screen the entire time is a text-in number, anonymous. We're not going to backtrack it. There's no way for us to know who it came from. We would love for you to text in questions. We're going to leave a good 30 to 40 minutes at the end and go through as many of those as possible. Uh, that is not one of our cell phone numbers. It's just a number we've set up. It goes away after we're done, and so we're not going to use it after tonight. But we have it so that we can answer some questions that you have. What we're going to do is just go back and forth, ping pong back and forth on answering these big questions on marriage and on dating. Um, you know, what, what the world says and what the Bible says is, is greatly different. I'm a huge reader, and so I'm kind of this weird combination of loving people, but I really love to read. And so I'm going to quote a lot. I read a lot of books on dating and relationships. One of my favorite quotes is from this guy named John Piper. A lot of you have heard about Piper. He says, uh, I love this quote. 
says the biblical picture of marriage is so high. If you look at the scriptures, the way that they talk about marriage is something that we don't even comprehend. And there's this huge gap between what the world says about it and what the Bible says about marriage. What God's plan is and what the world's plan is. And we have settled for a very, very long time. That is why there are bad relationships. That's why there's a high divorce rate. That's why when you look around at us married people, most of us are miserable. We may not be divorced, but we don't like being married to each other. And I don't mean, I don't mean JP and I, I mean most couples out there. Because we have a very, very low view of what marriage is. And so one of the goals tonight, as we talk about dating, is to enlarge your picture of what marriage is. It's to close that gap between what God says and what the world says. And and this is something for singles, for marrieds, we have to have a right view on marriage. We have to have a right view on dating. Whether you're single, engaged, wherever you fall on the spectrum, if you haven't been with anyone for a while, we want to enlarge your picture of marriage and let you understand marriage is the most significant human relationship there is. And so we want to give you the best picture of what God's Word says. You should have gotten a handout when you came in. And uh, go ahead and follow along with that as we go through the big questions of dating. So we'll just start with uh, what is dating and, and why do I date? We'll start really high level. Um, and the reason we do that is because we want you to unlearn. And, and so everybody, if, if everybody wrote down, hey, what is dating? Um, we'd come up with uh, about 300 different uh, definitions. Uh, and they would all be probably pretty close. And, and a lot of them would be wrong. And so... As I said a second ago, dating is a new phenomenon. What does the world say? Uh, what is dating? Dating, the world says it's trying before you buy. That's really stupid. Uh, it says uh, something everyone does. If you are single, it is a pastime. If you're not doing it, you know, you, you feel like you're missing out. It's an outlet to achieve sexual uh, encounters and or release. And it's an emotional experience with addictive highs and lows. And, and so you, that's part's really important because dating is a very addictive drug. In fact, what is a shift that is happening that I see is the world is becoming very, very honest through music. And so you see songs come on the scene like uh, Eminem's, I Love the Way You Lie, um, uh, Katy Perry's Just About Anything. That's not the name of the song. I mean, just anything she writes. Uh, <laughs> fireworks or whatever. Uh, you have Your Love Is My Drug. I mean, that's really honest. Your Love Is My Drug. And, and so, the, you know, it's, it's addictive. And, and so like some of you girls in the room, you're just like Finley. You're just like, man, I really, really, really want a boyfriend. I really want a boyfriend. And if it ends, it's like, I really want a, a different boyfriend or that same boyfriend or a new, you know, and it's, it's a, it is a very addictive substance because what it, it does, just like cocaine or heroin does, any methamphetamine, it, it takes us on these really manic highs and really manic lows. And so we don't, what happens is we don't get addicted to a healthy relationship. We actually get addicted to an unhealthy relationship. And so you see this phenomenon. You see girls or guys uh, chase people that are not good for them. Well, that's because they're addicted to people that are not good for them. That, that's a real phenomenon that really happens. So some of you came in the room, probably about half of you, based on just my interactions, uh, came in the room, and you are addicted to people who are not good for you. That's not going to serve you well in marriage. And so what is dating? Just to, to plainly kind of read that line, dating is a relationship between a male and a female who participates in prearranged social activities. To date someone is to set aside time for social interaction with a member of the opposite sex. So there you go. You got your money's worth right there. In that sentence, everybody came to learn that. What, what does the Bible say about dating? 
That's not rhetorical. That's right. It doesn't say anything about dating. It didn't exist in biblical times. So let me, I just want to be really, really honest uh, with you. And so there's uh, uh, preachers such as myself have done you a disservice at times by pulling out these obscure references. You know, it's like, oh, it's, it's just like, you know, Jacob and Rachel. Man, Jacob loved Rachel. It's like, dude, he also married her sister, bro. I don't know if you read that part. <laughs> it was really weird, <laughs> you know. And then we're like, well, but then there's Ruth and Boaz. We're going to talk about Ruth and Boaz. But, you know, Ruth and Boaz, what an incredible, he's like, man, what is that? She laid at his feet. You know, what does that mean? I don't know. We're going to have to talk about that too. I don't recommend that before you're married. And, uh, and so you've got these all things. You know, there's the, there's the Isaac and Rebecca. And it's like, but he didn't even meet her. You know, he like sent someone to find her. It's, that's, so what am I supposed to learn from that? And so there's all these ideas that we can say, hey, this is what dating is, but it's not. That's not what dating is. Dating is not that. There's no uh, biblical reference of dating. However, by, the Bible talks a lot about how we're to treat one another. So let me ask you this very important question going into this. How is it different? How is, how is it different in a dating relationship? Now, the world is going to tell you it's very different. The Bible would say it's not different that the way you treat someone to love them, to keep God first in all things, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these biblical mandates, to, that, that now as you're spending intentional time together, it's not any different. All of those, uh, all of those uh, ideas and ideals apply to that relationship. And, and frankly, this book, if I pulled everything out about it, uh, uh, you know, uh, from a, you know, everything out in regards to a male and fa- female relationship, everything, even about marriage, I would get about this much out of this entire book. That's because this book is about another relationship. And and so much, if we could get that other relationship right, then these other things begin to fall in place. Then that might sound like Christianese to you. Like that might sound like the no duh, of course, pastor, that's what you're supposed to say. But that was profound to me. And it wasn't profound when I heard it, because when I heard it, that's what I thought. Like this guy told me in premarital counseling, hey, stop pursuing each other, start pursuing the Lord together. And I thought, oh, that's cute, pastor man. That's what, what did you like, learn that in seminary? That's cute. And that phrase changed our lives certainly changed our marriage when we did that everything began to fell fall in place so if you get nothing else out of out of tonight i hope you get that and then there's this this idea of why should i date so if it's the bible doesn't say anything about it why should i date in, in fact paul who did evidently kiss dating goodbye says in first corinthians 7 1 it's better not to marry and he says about these things i've written you and so there's context there that's important so what is the what does the world say why should i date it says, uh, you know, to, uh, in order to try before you buy, as I said earlier, uh, in order to achieve sexual encounters and or release, as I said earlier, and it is a sighting and emotional experience with addictive highs and addictive lows for all of those reasons. And so I want to add one more thing. What does the church, what, what does the church say about this? The, the church creates these really weird subcategories, like anybody courting? Like, what does that mean? It, it, does anybody want to give me the difference uh, between courting and dating? Scott went to seminary and he doesn't know the difference. Okay, because courting took place in 1950 and before. No, okay, no. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know the difference either. We also created this category called seriously dating. Like we do this. We, we, we start to kind of invent these, these titles, right? We, to try to explain what we're at. And so like, let's just do away with that. And so why do we date? We date so we can find a spouse. Like that's the truth. And so what the, if that's the truth, like I saw some head nods, oh, date to find a spouse. So if you're not looking for a spouse, then there's no need to date. Like for my four-year-old, like she doesn't need to date. Does she need to date when she's 16? No. No, and I'm not even being a daddy right now. Like I'm serious. Like she's not going to get married when she's 16, so she doesn't need to date when she's 16. And when she turns 18, like if she's ready to get married, then great, it's time to date. But if she's not ready to get married, then it's not time to date. And when she turns 22, if she wants to be married, then cool. You know, let's let, you know, I'd love to, to start meeting some guys and interviewing them and seeing if they're good enough for her. But if she doesn't want to be married then she doesn't need to date. And and so that's the fact. Dating is for the purpose of finding a spouse. The Proverbs say that he who finds a a wife finds a good thing. If you want to be married, that's a good thing. God God created them male and female. Like that's a part of his plan. And so you don't have to feel bad about wanting to be married. You you, you heard Finley and you're like, yeah, I want to be. It's okay. It's okay to want that. All right, you're like, I, I, people email me and they're like, well, what if I'm called to singleness? Like, you know, like, oh my goodness, what if I want something different than God? I, I, if you're called to singleness, that's probably going to be abundantly clear, but we also live in a fallen world, so I can't promise you a spouse, you know, is, is, is promised for you. I also can't promise you cancer is not promised for you. Like, we live in a really broken world. But I think that if we apply these things to our lives, right, we can find contentment no matter what our situation is, even if we want to be married, but we're single. And so marriage exists for the purpose of of finding a spouse. Genesis 2.18 just says, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We talked about this on Tuesday. And so uh, the, the last thing I would say is, is you don't have to be alone right now. We're going to talk a lot about community tonight. So if you're not married, don't feel like you're missing out on that verse. That verse applies to you right now. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to live in isolation. And and then lastly, um, marriage is a good thing because marriage is our outlet for sex. And sex is a good thing. Like God made sex. How cool is that? Uh, You can answer. It's really cool. Like God invented the orgasm. We're there. I said it. Okay? He did it. Like, he made the parts. He made them fit where they do, the way they do. He made them work the way they do. Like, that was his genius idea. And, and so, like, and, and so if he made it, if he created it, then it seems like I can learn about it from Cosmo or I can learn about it from God who invented it. And if I learn about God from who invented it, who says it is for marriage, then it seems like he's going to save something for me, that he's teaching me something, that he's helping me in that, that he loves me and he's got a plan for me. And, and so these are all reasons to date, not, not for sex, but for marriage where sex exists. So Scott's going to come up and... Yeah, just a couple, a couple other thoughts on that. So um, don't worry about the term, as JP said. Just worry about choosing biblically. It doesn't matter if it's called courting, dating, whatever you call it. I think I invented the phrase seriously dating, so I guess we've got to get rid of that one. That's okay. Um, you are not incomplete as a single person. Let's just get that one out there. What, is, what does Jerry Maguire say? You complete me. Like somehow, Jerry is incomplete until he meets Renee or whatever their names are in the movie. So Jesus, single. 
Paul single. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, it's often better to be single because you're not worried about married affairs. You're not, your interests are not divided. And so singleness is not a less than uh, place to be in life. Some of us make an idol out of marriage. We think it is the end all be all. Some of us, on the other hand, make an idol out of our independence. And so some of you don't date. We're talking about why you date. Some of you don't date because you're just too selfish. You like being able to do what you do, when you do. Uh, you don't have to answer to anyone. I, I've got a, a great wife, but one of our first fights was, uh, why are you questioning and micromanaging my schedule? That did not go over really well in that conversation, so don't do that. But that was one of the first conflicts we had. I was like, it is a lot easier being single than having to run everything by you. And she was not micromanaging me. That's the way that we just wanted to relate with each other. Or more like, that's the way she wanted to relate with me. And so I've learned now that we, we run things by each other. And it's a lot harder being married than being single. Because it, it just goes right up against our selfishness and the things that we like to do. I'm going to go move on to when do I date and so as we cover the who, what, where, when, and why, talk about when do I date. And so what does the world say? When should I date? It says when you like someone. Uh, when all of your friends are dating. It says early and often. Uh, when, you, when you found the one. Anybody out there looking for the one? Okay, there is no one. Okay. There is no, I, I want to break that, that paradigm for you. And, and usually I do this in a really, in a way that makes people uncomfortable. And, and I'll bring my wife up here and I'll just say, is there anyone out there who would be better for her than me? And you know what, you know what the answer to that question is? Yes. There's a lot of other guys out there, hundreds out there, better for her than me. There's, she's 5'3", I'm 6'7". I mean, there's guys who don't like guns and motorcycles. There's guys that don't like the UFC the way that I do, that she doesn't, right? There, there's guys, do, do you understand? Like, th- this blows your mind. There's guys more compatible for Monica than I am. But we walked down the aisle together, and we made the covenant together before God, with God, and so now we're the one for each other, not because God like created her and made me and mine. Like we make this weird kind of Romeo and Juliet thing. I know mind blown right now for a lot of you. And so stay with me. Okay. Stay with me. We're, we're together. Like she's mine. I'm hers. Like we're together for life for as long as we live all those vows that we made. But when you start talking about the one, then you're going to start talking about at some point, because sometimes it's really, really hard to be married to me. And sometimes you're going to start talking about the wrong one. Well, I made the wrong one. The, the real one must be still be out there because this one's really difficult. I promise whoever you marry, should you marry, it will be very, very difficult. And so when should you date? You should date when you have your identity firmly in Christ. Okay? When Jesus is number one in your life. And so we say these things like, oh, you, I love you so much. You mean the world to me. What would I do without you? I could not live without you. These are not things we say to a significant other. These are things we need to say to Jesus. Like Jesus said these words, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Is anyone in the room guilty of loving a significant other more than Jesus? I am. I am guilty of loving girlfriends more than Jesus, my wife more than Jesus, my children more than Jesus. I am guilty of having idols before God. And it never goes well for me. 
Because those things, you know, those aren't lasting things. We're all, you know, have just a moment here. But Jesus is, is everlasting. And so when, uh, when should you date when you've dealt with your own hurts, habits, and hang-ups? That's important. Monica and I, when we got married, uh, we did our honeymoon. We did, I did a lot of research and uh, found this place in the Riviera Maya. And, and so we were going to go to Mexico, and we were really excited. We are going to go there for a week. And, and um, I was not accustomed uh, to how much luggage you girls bring. And, uh, <laughs> and so there was a lot, of, a lot of baggage we brought on the honeymoon. And so we, uh, we showed up to DFW, and we actually got on that, the escalator, you know, the tall one. And so it was Monica and myself, and we had just taken the, the shuttle to that place and we unloaded I loaded up her six bags and then I unloaded her six bags and then I got on that escalator and I'm like doing this like juggling act and we get to the very top of that escalator on our honeymoon true story and the bag gets snagged and we together because now we're one (laughs) toppled top to bottom on that escalator all right and so here's the moral to the story do not bring a bunch of baggage on your honeymoon okay and so in all seriousness, we've got baggage. What is, what is baggage? Baggage is anything you hadn't dealt with. Baggage is your sexual past. Baggage is, is the consequences of that sexual past. Baggage is your STDs. Baggage is that abortion you swore you'd never tell anyone about. Baggage is that psycho ex-boyfriend that you know still has your heart. You know, these are, this, this is your baggage. Baggage is that father wound. Man, I hate that you didn't have a dad, or I hate that your dad wasn't nice to you. Baggage is that mother wound. I hate that you feel like you need her approval for everything, and that you need to perform for her. And that is going to greatly impact your marriage. And so it's a really great time. Like, well, I want to be married. It's a really, really great time to begin to process that stuff, and we can handle it. Why, Why did I say that list? Because I see that list every single week. Okay? We can handle it. Let's talk about it. Let's begin to process it. There's an incredible place here, recovery ministry, called Regeneration on, on Monday nights. And so that you're like, well, how do I deal with my baggage, JP? Show up on Monday nights. I know a lot of you are already doing that, but show up on Monday nights and begin to uh, talk through you know, that divorce you had or whatever it is that, that is, is the baggage that you're going to bring into this next, uh, next relationship. And so um, the, I, I just wrote down here, the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. And so if we're not ready, you know, that when, when Mr. or Mrs. Wright comes along, it, it may not be right. And so when do we marry? We marry when, um, I'm sorry, when do we date? We date when we're open to marriage. Just like I said earlier, Finley doesn't need to date. And then we, we date when um, only, uh, uh, oh, we date when we are, I just said this, when we're already married well to Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so we date somebody who's married well to Christ, and so that our hearts are so wrapped up in Jesus that they're going to have to pursue Jesus to pursue us, right? This is, this is the way that, that this works. And so um, there's just some questions there. And Scott's about to cover uh, who do I date and, and where do I date. But there's some questions there that would be good for you just to, to kind of go home and, and think through the answers or what areas of, in my life do I need to address and what makes this the wrong or the right season to date. Yeah, a couple other thoughts on when you're ready to date. One is when you're ready to stop flirting with everyone else. And so th- that's, that's the reality. Like when you are still single, you can go to Starbucks if you're not in a relationship and you can get your, your flirt on with someone. When you're in a relationship, when you're married, you can't do that anymore. 
And so if you're not ready to leave that behind, you're probably not ready to date. Okay, you don't want that happening to you. Your significant other doesn't want that happening to them. Matthew 9, uh, 19, verses 3 through 6, talk through um, some of God's design for marriage. Verse 5 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That goes all the way back to Genesis two twenty four. It says, They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. That is, that's the key to marriage. When you are one with somebody else, you are one flesh. You're still two individuals, but God sees you as one with each other. It's something that that we don't fully grasp. It's a little bit of a mystery, Paul says in Ephesians 5. But when we are one with each other, there is no other person. There's no third person that's a part of it. Okay, and so that means you've got to have your flirting done. And I'll tell you, my job, I work mostly with pre-married couples in, in Merge, but part of my job is also working with married couples. And I'll tell you that the biggest thing that we see that trips couples up is when they come into marriage and they've got this history of deceit behind them. When they've got this ongoing illicit relationship with someone else. There's actually a website for married people to have affairs with each other. The tagline is, life is too short, have an affair. If you're going into marriage and you are looking into a site like that, if you're married and looking at the site, you're not ready for marriage. And so you've got to be ready to be with one person. And so have that mindset as you go into dating. Page four in your handout. Who do I date? Bunch of thoughts here. What kind of person do, do I date? What should they be like? We're not going to talk about what they look like. I don't know what your type is. But here's what, who we like to date. Someone we're attracted to. A.K.A. someone who's hot. Okay, so I met Kristen Lichterman in 1997. Uh, I was her student, which is a little bit of a funny story. But we're both physical therapists. I was in the in the uh, the gym for my clinical rotation. Uh, this 24 year old idiot, and I'm sitting there, and here here she comes, and she walks by me, and I was blown away. I mean, I was like, wow. And then she tells me, I'm her uh, I'm her student. And I was like, this is, I, I'm, I don't know if I was a Christian before, but I am now. Thank you, God. And so there, there she is. And she's my instructor for, uh, for the next couple months. And, uh, and I was attracted to Kristen because she's just hot, okay? And she was not mutual. I don't know why. Obviously hot, okay? But not mutual. It took a little bit longer. But my reasons, my reasons for, for pursuing Kristen in the beginning were very wrong. Now, I still think she's beautiful, but, but now there's so much so much behind that. But we get attracted to someone because we think they're good looking. Someone with a good job, somebody that drives a nice car, somebody that can provide for you. Somebody that's going to give you a safe and secure future. Uh, I could date whoever I want to date. I'm looking for my soulmate, as JP talked through. The church tells you, I think the church, not, not our church, right? Other churches sell out. They say, just marry someone who's a Christian. That's all you need. Like you check the box, you're saved, you're going to heaven when you die, and therefore that person is okay to marry. False. Partially. It's on, the other thing you hear is, it's not really, you don't have to be attracted to them, it's, it's on, what's on the inside that really matters. It doesn't matter what they look on the outside, it doesn't matter if you're attracted to them or not. Let's, let's get really spiritual and say that they just have to be attractive to you on the inside. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. Partially true, okay, it's both. There's got to be some level of attraction 
on the outside and the inside. But let's not hyper-spiritualize this thing and say attraction isn't significant. Attraction is real. It's something that we can't control. So rather than what the world says, rather than what the church often tells you, let's see what the Bible says. So first and foremost, is this person not just a Christian, but are they someone who follows Christ with their life? Are they, as we say around here, a fully devoted follower of Christ? Okay, one, you do not want to be yoked to somebody who's a non-believer. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It is the strongest admonition against two people coming together in the Bible. Do not be yoked with someone who does not align with you. And I'll tell you why. You guys know this, but you view life through this lens as a follower of Christ that everything is tainted by Christ. I can't see any part of life without looking through the lens of being a follower of Jesus. That means that affects the way I view money, the way I view my time, the way I view my job, the way I view relationships, the way I view uh, everything in life, the way I look at television, the way I look at my kids and watch the way that they come out, the way I look at their friends, the way I look at my friends, the way I buy a car or buy a house. Everything is tainted by our view of who we think Jesus is. And if you are not aligned with someone, you are not going to do well in marriage. Because everything has to flow through that lens of what we see through Christ. Don't just find a check-the-box Christian. Some of you are dating people who are claiming to be Christians. They go to church, maybe. They're not in community. They're not abiding with Christ. I think a couple things you can look at. One is John 13, 34, and 35. It says the distinctive mark of a Christian, the distinctive mark of, of the church is love. Do you see love flowing out of them? Another one would be Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You've heard that. Fruit of the Spirit is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control coming out of them. Because they may claim to be this thing, but if you don't see those things coming out of them, I'd really wonder if that's someone who actually is following Christ. And so don't just get someone who's checked the box. Do they go to church? Are they involved in community? Proverbs thirteen twenty. Great admonition. It's a promise and a warning about community. And so find someone that is involved in biblical community. Song of Solomon, great stuff in there. Attraction is, is normal. Desire is normal. Solomon writes in, in uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, your name is like purified oil. Now, there's some stuff in there. We don't, we don't know what's going on with some of those things. Clusters of grapes and her teeth are like goats and her hair is like, yeah. you know, like a, I mean, I don't even I remember. I told Monica that last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> didn't, didn't go, go well. It didn't work out well for she me. She kicked him out of the room. Okay. So one thing, one thing we know when it says your name is like purified oil, that means your reputation, your reputation is solid. And so ladies, you want to pursue someone who's got a solid name, someone whose name is like purified oil. Therefore the maidens love you. That means her friends think very highly of you. Don't date someone whose friends don't approve of you or approve of the person you're dating. Verses 5 through 7 talks about her. It describes her heart. It describes her character. What we see in in Song of Solomon chapter 1, we see a guy whose name is greater than his looks. We see a girl whose heart is greater than her skin, than what she looks like on the outside. Attraction. Let's go to that. It is important. It is not everything. Uh, Some of you have this 
uh, ridiculous list of requirements in what you're looking for. And so when it comes to attraction, you actually have a height and you have a body type and you have a size and you have a, uh, all this whole list of, you know, what color her eyes are and what color her hair is. It's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, my, I am, I am pretty certain I'm not Kristen's type. Now, before we got married, she was dating this guy who was, she looked a lot like JP, a little bit awkward. So, yeah, he was, oh, he was blonde. Kristen said, okay, so that's good. It's not JP. And, and JP's a lot younger than this guy, so we're safe. Uh, and so, you know, Kristen's type, Kristen's six foot tall. She didn't dream of marrying somebody who's five foot nine, hairy with black hair going bald and like hair in the wrong place and no hair in the right place. I mean, that's not her dream attraction. Okay, my, Kristen's not my type. If I listed out before I got married what my physical type was, it wasn't, it wasn't Kristen. But now that we're married 12 years, actually the minute we got married, guess what my type is? It's Kristen. Amen. And that never changes. That never changes. Once you marry someone, that becomes your type until you die. Okay, so attraction is a big deal, but let's get attraction right. Okay, it doesn't, don't put this artificial list of what you're looking for. Be attracted to what they look like. Be attracted to who they are, their personality, their friends. Be attracted most to their love for Christ. I will tell you without question, that is what attracted Kristen Kedersha to Scott, is when I got really serious about Christ, when I worked on my character, when I came around uh, with community, when I got plugged into church, all of a sudden this guy who she wasn't physically attracted to became really attractive because of my heart for Christ. The soulmate thing, the compatibility thing. We're looking for the perfect soulmate. Someone who meets all of our needs and then, and then doesn't really want us to change. Okay, that's the kind of person we look for. It's someone who, who meets my needs, but they're okay with me staying just as I am. If I, that, if I find that person, that's who I'm compatible with. And I'll tell you, that person does not exist. There's no, thing, no such thing really as being compatible with each other. Okay. Let me break the compatibility myth and, and add on to the soulmate thing. Compatibility is not real because we are, as, follow, as, as people, uh, two, two people, man and a woman, broken, sinners, selfish. We're pursuing our own thing. When you bring two selfish people together, that's the opposite of compatibility. And so quit looking for somebody who you're compatible with because you're never going to find that person. Now, there are people that you're going to be aligned on, people that you're going to be attracted to, but you're not going to find someone who you are perfectly compatible with because you're a sinner that wants to marry another sinner. Find someone that understands what marriage is. As I talked about before, marriage is until death do you part. It's an exclusive relationship. It's something that will attack everything that's a part of you. It will make you deal with your selfishness, will make you deal with your sin, and you want to find somebody who aligns with that, who wants to be a part of working on the same things. Are they free to marry is another one. There's some significant questions you need to ask if you are in a relationship with someone who's been previously married, or if you've been previously married. There's some things that you need to think through on whether or not you are free to marry someone. And so there's some scriptures you're going to have to work through and wrestle through. How do you view marriage? Do you view marriage as a covenant relationship or as a contract? The worldly view of marriage says that it is a contract. It says we do, we commit to each other until you make me mad. Until you have an affair. 
until you lose your job, until we get in an argument, we get in a fight. Contract says when that happens, it doesn't matter what I vowed to you or what we vowed with each other. When the going gets rough, I'm going to get out of this thing and go somewhere else. I want to tell you guys, view marriage as a covenant. That's the biblical picture of it. Very simple. A covenant is what God is in with us. Unbreakable, unconditional. No matter what we do, no matter how adulterous I am in my life, no matter how many times I cheat on the Lord, no matter how many times I sin, the Lord is still committed to me because of Christ. And marriage is the same thing. It says, till death do us part. It says, what God has put together, let no man separate. And so in marriage, we are going to disappoint each other. We're going to let each other down. We're going to have affairs. We're going to be unfaithful. We're going to look at someone lustfully, which Matthew says means we've committed adultery. Matthew 5, 27 through 30. And so we are going to hurt each other. We're going to break those bonds. But what do you do? You've got to decide whether or not you see this thing as a covenant relationship. And you better be aligned with someone who you're going to move forward in a relationship. If you're not aligned on that, you are going to have some challenges. What you got? You got some thoughts? I would just say like on the, on the attraction thing, and he just yeah. said it is important. And, and man, I agree. Like attraction is the, the thing that it, it does what the word says. It, it brings us together. I mean, it's, it's what caused you to say the initial high or walk across the room or whatever that was. But here, here's what I see. And there's this, there's this proverb that we hate. A, a lot of us hate. Uh, I don't hate it because I love God and the Bible, but you might hate it. No, it just says, it says guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And it's a really misunderstood proverb. It's essentially saying that out of the heart, right, out of the heart are our desires. Like we got to be really careful what we put in our heart. And so you're going to, you're, you're actually like, this is my point. Hear this. You're telling yourself what to be attracted to. You're telling yourself what to be attracted to. And, and so, like, I see this for guys all the time. I mean, you're rewiring your brain. If you're addicted to pornography, like, you are rewiring your brain in regards to what is attractive. Girls, too, if you're addicted to pornography, you are rewiring your brain in regards to what is attractive. And, and so, for, for, in that specific addiction, you begin to tell yourself to be attracted to the wrong things. Things that are bad for you. Things that will hurt you. That's why I always say pornography is ruining your marriage before your, before your marriage ever even existed. Right, but it's not just pornography. It's other things that we can watch on the TV. You know, it, it could be the hills. Dude, I don't know what it is, but you're wa- you watch this stuff and you start to long for some sort of relationship that's a worldly relationship, not a biblical relationship, and you're telling your heart what to like. And so, to, there's some there's a part of this whole attraction thing where you need to begin to pray right now, Lord, help me to be attractive to the things that you're attractive to. Okay, Lord, help me to long for and to want the things that you want for me, not the things that NBC or ABC or Cosmo want for me, but the things that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, the one who knows the numbers of my ha- hairs of, on my head, the one that you want for me, right? And, and begin to pray that now and begin to look for that now. And so you might say, hey, the guy who loves the Bible and, you know, is in the Bible study and loves Jesus with all his heart, he's just ugly, Right? Okay, well, hey, maybe he's not. You, you, maybe he's yours. That's good. A um, couple things there. The, 
Not a lot of examples in the Bible, as JP said. There, there's some great stuff in your handout that we want you to look through. And so, not now, but there's, there's a good description on Ruth and Boaz. And then from that, just some questions to ask. Some characteristics to look at, to look for. I'd suggest making your list based on some of those things, not based on some of the things you may have put together in the past. One thing I love, uh, Ravi Zacharias is a, is a writer. He wrote this great book on marriage and relationships. He has this great quote. He says, of all the characteristics that a person needs to be looking for in a mate. I suggest that the individual's prayer life is key to discerning his or her character. A genuine prayer life is one that is constantly broken, bef- broken before God. Such a person's life demonstrates humility born out of brokenness. And so there's no scripture verse on that that says the number one characteristic is a person's prayer life. But what, what a great piece of wisdom there. Because our prayer life is indicative of how we're doing with the Lord. Do we depend on the Lord? Are we humble? Are we broken? Or are we self-sufficient? And so look for someone who's got a prayer life that's going to encourage you. Let's shift gears a little bit on who you date. Online dating, okay? Um, what, what does the Bible say about online dating? <laughs> Is it Scott 3.16, thou shalt? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, don't, I don't know what it says, okay? And so here's a, here's a couple thoughts. We know it's very common. And so um, JP says, even within the young adult community, that most people have some kind of online dating profile. So it's very common. Uh, There's nothing in the Bible that says whether or not that is right, wrong, sinful, not sinful. Let me give you a couple thoughts on that, okay? One is to be very cautious. Very cautious. There's something really great about meeting someone uh, at the porch, meeting someone at church, meeting someone you work with, because you see them interact with other human beings, you see them interact, you see the way that they process, you see their emotions, you get a real picture of them, not a virtual one. And so that, that is always going to be the ideal, is to meet someone in person, to watch them interact, to see how they do with friends, to see what kind of character they demonstrate in real life. Now, you might, some of you might meet someone online. You don't get the benefit of seeing those things before you actually meet. And so you don't know if you're interacting with a real person or a fake one. I always love the, the Brad Paisley song uh, that says online. And it's uh, some of you, uh, maybe a lot of you don't even know who George Costanza is, but Seinfeld, he's the guy that's sitting at his computer and he lives with his mom in the basement. But online, he's six foot three. He drives a Maserati. He's got everything going on. And so that, that's kind of the, the two different worlds. Catfish. Cat, yes, that's, that's the, uh, I'm the old man version of it. George Costanza, you're the the new, more relevant young adult version. That's good. Catfishing. Yeah, I've heard that phrase before. Um, and so, yeah, we don't, know what, we don't know what they're really like in real life. And so be very cautious. And so if you are going to meet someone on a date for the first time, ladies, don't let them pick you up at, at your house. Meet somewhere publicly. Don't go somewhere quiet, secluded, late at night where it's dark. Okay, go somewhere public where other people are watching you. And then do as much as you can when you are together, to, to find out about who they are, to know their family, to get their background. Don't just go based off what you've heard. Too often I see in my world, in the pre-married world, going through merge, I see too many couples that come together and then there's false couple through merge. They've connected online, they have so much in common, and then they actually start dating and they could still keep the, the little fake thing going on. And then they get married because they're so in love with each other. And they get married very quickly without watching each other in real life. Those are the couples that end up getting, they break up, their affairs, it's just a mess. 
And so I'm not telling you not to do it. I don't, I don't know. I'm just telling you to be really cautious about online dating. Good. Shift gears a little bit. Page eight and nine. Where do I date? We're going to spend like two minutes on this. Do you have any thoughts, more thoughts on who you date? I would just say online dating. I got a, a simple rule here. It's, it's my rule. I can't chapter and verse it. But I would say, um, so you may not listen to it and that's okay. Uh, I would say don't date a stranger and don't trust a profile. And so, uh, you know, it's hard to not date a stranger on online dating. Uh, and, um, and so I, I don't, is it sin? I mean, it, it, there can be parts of it that are unwise. Just be careful. Proceed with caution. Make sure your community is involved and apply the, the wisdom that Scott just, just shared. It's good. Shift gears, page eight and nine. Where do I date? What do we do when we're on dates? And so, you know, my, my big thing here, both of us, we're, we're 100% in alignment, is just do this all in the context of community. Okay, so that doesn't mean you kiss dating goodbye. It doesn't mean you do everything in group dates. But the biggest thing is just to date in public. Let others see you. Let others interact with you. Let others, and if you're in a community group, let your community group see this person you're dating. Okay, don't date in isolation. What we often see is somebody gets in a relationship and then they automatically forsake all the other relationship in their lives. They don't hang out with their friends anymore. They stop going to community group and they're dating in isolation. And what that leads to is dating someone that you probably shouldn't be with. And nobody's able to look in on your relationship and give you input on your relationship. And so just choose to do things that are going to allow you to pursue each other with others looking in on you. That means not alone in your apartment at night. So a guy's question, where do I go on a date? The answer is however I can get her home alone in her apartment as quickly as possible. That's the wrong answer. That's what the world does. That's what I did before I met Christ. It was to get her alone and to be with her as soon as possible. Yeah, that, that is not what you're after. Dating in community, let others see you and give feedback. Whatever sets you up to honor one another. We're going to talk about purity in a couple minutes uh, and how you date. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be nice. Let others look at your relationship. I have some good friends that are married now. They used to date all the time. They'd go to Starbucks. Very simple. It wasn't expensive. It, well, Starbucks is kind of expensive. But they'd go to Starbucks, spend a few bucks, sit there and they would just enjoy the time together. They'd read together. They'd, um, you know, hang out together. And, and I know why they were there. I mean, everything in them wanted to be at their apartments or in their home, tearing each other's clothes off. There's no question. That's what they wanted to do. But because they, they cared for each other, because they wanted to honor Christ, they chose to forsake the late night movie on the couch and instead date in public, put our feet on the ground, drink Starbucks, and just and be cautious and be careful. And so that's how you date. That's where you date is let others look in and do it in places where you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going to compromise what you believe and what's best for you. The other thing I'd say is um, date with friends, date with married people. And so, you know, one, one thing that we think is great, if you're in a relationship and you want to go on a date with your significant other, is ask a married couple to go with you. Email them, call them, find some friends, find somebody who's married you look up to and spend time that way. We put a great list in your, in your handout, places to go in Dallas, fun things to do. Some of them are expensive, some are not, but just taking away the excuse of the lame, uh, let's go back to our apartment and watch a movie and allow ourselves to compromise what we believe or the other is just to get in the mundane rut of going to a movie. I love movies, but that's not a real date, okay? Ladies, if he tells you you're going on a date and he's taking you to the movies, not a real date. That's just a guy's excuse of getting to go out and not have to talk to you, which we like as guys. 
fact. Yeah. That's um going out on a date with my wife. We're going to go to a movie tomorrow, maybe. So I just kind of outed myself. Nice. Yeah. I love the movies. Dinner and then a movie. Love yeah. it. We're going we're gonna to transition. We're going to shift to how, the how. And, uh, and uh, coming out of the where, I just I want to share this with you. I, there's, there's a part of this deal that's a little bit of a bait and switch, like uh, una, unashamedly, unapologetically, I'll say. Um, because the how you date, it's really the, man, how do I be a single, sold-out follower of Jesus? And, uh, man, I wasted a whole lot of my life in the city. I mean, I really did. I wasted a whole lot of my life as, just as a single person. I mean, I just didn't know. I mean, I learned what it meant to be a single person, kind of hanging in the wrong crowd and, and hit the clubs and the bars and, you know, love life and, and love the party and, you know, love to have fun and love the adrenaline rush and, and loved uh, just relationships, and, and my life was marked by broken relationships. I mean, I don't, I don't think I was not in a relationship since the fifth grade. And they all overlapped since the fifth grade. True, true story. And, um, and, and so, I mean, that, I brought that into my marriage. And my, you, you, you saw my family and you're like, man, but, but it, it paid off. And we almost got a divorce year two. And so we've been married nine years and it's amazing. And, and like, man, I love her. She loves me and, and, and we're great. But uh, I mean, it, it was nasty. It was God, like she is God's grace to me. My marriage is God's grace to me. Grace just means getting more than what you could have ever deserved. When you deserve bad, getting good, that's my marriage. It's God's grace to me. Okay, and so th- this, is, this is what I want you to hear. Like it, it's, it's really the, probably the most practical thing I could tell you is, is when you consider where and how to date, like consider what it means. Like if you really believe the Bible was true, like man, I really believe there's a God, I really believe he created me with a purpose. I really believe that he's more important than my Facebook status, married or single. And I, like, I'm, I'm just going to use the gifts and the talents that he's given me. And I'm just going to follow him recklessly, like sold out. I mean, I'm really going to live my life. Like I'm going to steward my money, my resources, my time, my talents, my treasures, my gifts, my degree, my job my relationships, I'm going to put, bring all those to the altar and I'm just going to live my life like they're actually his, like they belong to him. Because what I see in the lives of 20 and 30 somethings, the, the, the group that I spend a lot of time with, and we have this really short term perspective and we don't actually realize that we're almost dead. Like we think like we're the only ones that have ever lived and like we forget, you know, that our, our parents lived and our grandparents lived and our great-great-grandparents lived and so forth and so on. And like we're, we just got a few decades left and we're gone and forgotten. And it's about him. You got it. Like that's got to hit your heart. Like you got to figure that out. And so when you begin, you're like, well, why are you saying this? It's about dating. Because when you start to figure that piece out, the dating stuff falls into place. And it really does. You start to pursue the dating stuff with reckless abandonment. You miss all that other stuff that you were created for. And that's the truth. That's the reality. And so how do I date? Um, I just said, like, because we're wrapping up this little, you know, how the world does it, what the Bible says. You date very, very different than the world. You want to know what not to do. Just look at what the world does and do the opposite 
Okay, I'm, and I'm serious. Like you date, like that's what I'm, I'm trying. That's like my big takeaway for you tonight. Date very, very, very different than the world. I've, I've done lots of marriages, lots of weddings, okay? I've, I've, we've seen what works. We've seen what doesn't work. And those that like, like I've, I've sat there at a wedding. Hey, I, one, one like specifically comes to mind. They had not kissed until that day. And I remember their family, okay, specifically their parents thinking they were crazy mom's on fourth marriage okay dad's on third marriage I'm like hey come here do you think maybe they got something figured out you don't know <laughs> you think maybe they, maybe they kind of stumbled onto something they're happily married and so you might think like so you, you probably heard something now you're like that's crazy man we just love you we just want God's best for you that's our only motive like we just want like healthy marriages are the trophies of a young adult ministry Okay, healthy marriages are the trophies of a pre-married ministry. Like, that's what we celebrate. Healthy marriage, I mean, people coming to Christ, of course, but healthy marriages. That's what we want for you. That's our motive. So how do you date? You date very different than the world. If God didn't want us to do it the world way, wouldn't he tell us that? Why didn't he tell us that? Why didn't he tell us things like, don't love the world? Oh, yeah, he did. Matthew 18, verse 7. Matthew 18, verse 7, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. Mark 8, verse 36, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? John 14, verse 31, But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. John 15, verse 18, If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. John 15, verse 19, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own as it is you do not belong to the world but i have chosen you out of the world that is why the world hates you john 16 verse 8 when he comes he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment first john 2 15 do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him it's like god has a message for us and it's a really radical, counterintuitive message. I got married September 25th, 2004. We were believers, new believers. We trusted Christ in our dating. It was crazy. And, uh, and, and so we had, you know, sin. We had, we had, it was a sexual relationship. It, we were dating other people when we met. It was just, we did everything wrong. Everything wrong. And then we, we trusted Christ uh, separately but together. Like the Lord just kind of did that in our lives in a, in a way we couldn't deny. And the Spirit began to convict us. And so we, we, we started to pursue purity, which was very difficult because we'd already crossed that line. And, um, and, and so we were pursuing purity now. We loved Jesus. And when I met Jesus, when I really met Jesus, man, I just fell in, madly in love with Jesus. And, and I couldn't deny all the incredible things that he had done for me. And so, so like pre-married counseling and all that was really fun because like this is really some of our first exposure to real church like as believers and so we're just soaking it up we're learning the bible and so the wedding day comes and we're standing up there and man she was gorgeous i mean she is gorgeous and, and but when those doors came over i just remember i couldn't even like stop the tears and i was just like it was she was blurry you know and she came up and and it was just this incredible moment we're standing up there and and i like my heart was around that covenant we were making before god like i felt him in the room 
You know, I, I knew it. Like, I, I felt that. And, and, you know, the guy up there and the preacher said some really kind things. And, and we read scripture to each other. And we said our own vows. And we made our promises to, to each other. And then we left Truett Seminary there in Waco, Waco on Baylor campus. And I sat in the foyer and I held my brand new bride. I, I held her there. And, and I said this prayer over her. And, and just, like, thanked God for the gift that she was. And I said, Heavenly Father... Thank you for allowing me to escape the consequences of my sins. And in my mind as I prayed that, there were like three things specifically that I thought of. And I, I just thought, man, I, that, I, that I got to this moment and I, I didn't contract a, a sexually transmitted disease. Like, praise, praise you, Lord. This is where my mind was on my wedding day. And, and, and I was like, that I got to this moment and I don't have this, this child out of wedlock, you know, that, I'm, I'm, that I have to, to care for, that that's not ours. And, and that I got to this moment and... Um, and there's not some psycho ex-girlfriend waiting outside to, to shoot us both down, you know? And, and th- th- those were the three things that went through my mind. And specifically, like, I was a porn addict, like, nobody's business. And, and like, that thing just owned me. And so, like, there were all these images on my computer. And I thought, man, I made it to this moment. And, like, I didn't even have to pay for that sin. Like, I, I got it. I got the prize. Like, I won. You know, like, I cheated God. And, uh, and, and like some of you, I know you have those consequences. I just said, that's, don't, don't let that be awkward. Just, just wait for the punchline. And so we get, we get married, and, and then year one was like a honeymoon. It's kind of blurry. And, and then year two comes along. And like I just realized, like, I had no idea how to love this woman. I mean, I had broken up with every, I, I, you know, dating, the way the world does it, it's not trading for marriage, it's trading for divorce. You date someone until you don't like them anymore, then you break up. And then you date someone else until you don't like them anymore, you break up. And that, I mean, that's what I had always done. And so I had like trained my entire life for like an epic divorce. And so like there I am, I'm in this relationship, like I don't like her anymore. She's very difficult to live with. And she's constantly telling me how difficult I am to live with. And I'm like, there's someone out there that won't think I'm difficult to live with, you know? And I want, I want out. And, and I realized through not taking the out, but surrounding ourselves with community and, and the church and, and working through that in a way that ultimately like just saved us and glorified God. I realized that I would have rather had those other consequences. Oh, I would have rather taken a pill a day to control some STD breakout. I would have rather stroke a child support check. I would have rather dodge the bullets of some psycho ex than, than to deal with this thing that I just didn't know how. I just didn't have the tools. Okay? And so that's why we do this. Like, we want something better for you. And so I'm, I'm telling you, not, like, not to try to put fear in your hearts, but, but to show you the truth. You do this as the world does it. You're going to get hurt. Okay? Like, yeah, there's grace. Like, I, I mean, that people hate when we talk about this stuff. Because like, wait a minute, what about grace? Well, I have a kid. Well, what about, I have an STD. You know, like, yeah, there is grace, man. And God's very restorative. But there's some consequences, too, you can't get rid of. And that's just the truth. You know? And so how do you date? You date with purity. Like you, you date out, you, you, you have sex outside of marriage. It's going to cheapen sex inside of marriage. And, and people who have had sex don't like to hear that, but it's just the truth. You're like, well, can you make it? Can I be a, a, a born again virgin? No, you can't. I mean, you can, you can commit not to having sex anymore. Okay. But yeah, there's consequences to those sins. I mean, that's just the truth. It's, it sucks. It sucks to say, it sucks to hear. It sucked. It was, it sucked to live. Okay. That's the truth. And so you're experiencing that. As you hear that, you know that's true. 
We know that's true. That's why I don't like to put a pretty bow on it. So how do you date from here on out, moving forward for the rest of your life? Date with incredible purity, okay? Date intentionally. What what does it mean? I'm gonna expound on these things. What does it mean to date intentionally? Like date with a purpose. We said dating was for the purpose of marriage, you know? And so you date intentionally with purity and being careful to guard your heart and the heart of the person you're spending time with. And so what does it mean to date intentionally? I want to be careful to define that word. It's intentionally, not intensely. Anybody ever date somebody intensely? They're like, I'm going to have oh, I got a hand in the back. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, you know, it's like that. Hey, you know, there, there are those guys who love Jesus and then they're just kind of taking this a little too serious and they're like, okay, I'm going to pick you up at 7, 705. I want you to be ready. We're going to walk you to the car. I'm going to open the car door for you because that's what I do because I'm a gentleman. You need to know I'm a gentleman up front and then I'm going to let you in the car and then we're going to drive this place and then we're going to be there for 32.7 minutes and then I'm going to have the waiters and then we're going to do this and then I'm going to share the gospel with the waitress because that's what I do because I share the gospel and then I'm going to take you to Starbucks and then I'm going to do this and, I, and you're just like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Time out. Okay, so date, date intentionally, intentionally. What does intentionally mean? Intentionally, guys, it means that she's not wondering, right? Like, man, are we, a, are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Are we just friends? Is this a friendationship? Like, what does it mean? What does it mean that he texted me? He, he texted me at 11 o'clock. Does that mean he loves me and wants to get married? You know, what is it? So, so date intentionally. Does dating intentionally look like asking serious questions by way of text message? No, it does not. Don't do that. And don't point fingers right now either. Okay? Do not date intentionally. Intentionally. And so, what, girls, what if you don't know where you stand? Like, what if you're in this relationship and you just don't know where you stand? Yeah, you ask. That's what, that's what dating intentionally looks like. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are we doing? You and me. So you don't have to wonder. Now, I would not ask that question every five minutes. Okay? That's not, that's intensely, not <laughs> intentionally. It's intentionally. So DTR, define the relationship. Let her know where she stands. Ladies ask. Um, just communicate well. There's two things that I've seen, Monica and I have seen in premarital counseling. The two biggest problems that we've seen is, is couples don't know how to communicate. Uh, they don't understand that, that men and women and, and even, in the, even in men and women, like there's lots of different communication styles. And so we just need to know and understand how each other communicate. And like, and what that, you know, and when, when I say this and she hears this, like that's important. When I say something and she hears something very different, that's important. Like guys, you don't talk to a, a girlfriend the way you do a dude in the locker room. Like you just don't do that. And so like we have to learn and adapt our communication styles. And so the, the two things that Monica and I have seen is couples don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to resolve conflict. Like, and so you don't have to wait until you're in a relationship to learn how to resolve conflict. Like if there's a girl you hate, if you're a girl and there's another girl that you hate, you can work on resolving conflict, you know, right now. Like you can go and resolve that conflict. That's great training for marriage. If, if you're a guy and, and you realize like you just don't get along well with human beings, okay, that's, it's a great time to learn to resolve conflict for marriage. I always say the best training for marriage is to get a really dysfunctional roommate, and, uh, and that's, that will set you up well. Okay? Or, Find, or, get, or join a community group. Yeah, or join a community yeah. group. That's right. Yeah. A dysfunctional community group, I might add. That will help you out. I mean, get a roommate who doesn't like to do the dishes, and that's good <laughs> training for marriage. Okay? <laughs> and, and I'm, I, I'm, like, you guys laugh, like, just because just, just, it's funny, but... I'm also very serious. Like, I'm not kidding. Just to be, to be really clear, and you're like, well, that's crazy. No, I'm, I'm being, like, that's, that might be the best thing you heard tonight. Like, don't live alone. 
Like, go and get a roommate and learn to have to get along with people. I, I just don't like roommates. That means you're going to be a miserable spouse, okay? <laughs> I'm just like, let me break it down for you. I hear that all the time. I just don't like roommates. Yeah, that's going to be problematic soon, okay? Uh, let me just say this. Like, what if there are no prospects? Like, there's just, like, incredibly godly women I know. And, I mean, like, guys aren't asking them out. And I, and I hate that. Like, I hate that for you. Like, know that I hate that. I'm trying to change that. I'm doing my best. Um, you know, if there's no prospects, like just get after it, okay? I, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I know, I know that God's huge. I know, I know we can trust Him. I know He's got a plan for our lives. The Scripture says so. His, his, that word, that book has never let me down. Not one time has it let me down. And so I know He's got a plan for your life. And so don't get so focused on the fact that there's no prospects that you're not doing all the other things that He's called you to. Do all the other things that He's called you to. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Does that mean that that I'm promising you a, a, a wedding, a husband? You know, two kids, one boy, one girl, and the German Shepherd, white pick events. No, I'm not. I'm promising you, you can trust him. I'm promising you that you can trust him. His plan is better than yours. Like, people are like, well, I want a husband. Do you want a husband when it's not God's timing? Okay, like, like do you want a husband that's not a husband very long? Do you want a husband who's not faithful? And, and the crazy answers to those questions is, is sometimes the answer is yes. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll settle for that. Frankly, I want a husband so bad. He doesn't even have to treat me well. Uh, don't be in that category, okay? That's going to hurt you. That's not going to work out well for you. Um, how do I date? I just said date. As we said a second ago, date with purity. I talked about already in a very awkward way that was awkward for all of you how God is pro-sex. Uh, he is pro-sex. He, he, he invented it. And so just 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so what happens is people come up and they say, well, JP or Watermark or Scott, hey, how far is too far? Okay, that is the question of someone who wants to go too far, okay? Only people who want to go too far ask the question, how far is too far, okay? And so here, here's the deal. It, it's like this. Here's the best, you know, if, if this is the edge of a, of a building, of a 12-story building, and I'm asking questions like, how close is too close? Like, the first thing you're going to want to ask me is, well, do you want to jump off? Because if you want to jump off, like, don't even get on the elevator. Stay on the ground. And, and the same is true for a relationship. If you're asking how far is too far, you know, like, it's the wrong question. How close to the center? How, how hard can I pursue Christ? These are the right questions. Nobody, no one that I've ever married, ever, 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 has gotten to that day and said, man, I wish we would have tried more stuff, man. Man, we should have just made sure everything fit before right now. No, man, we should, have, we should have went further that time. No one's ever done it. Those are stupid ideas. Stupid ideas, okay? If someone tells you that, call them stupid in a way that's not sin. <laughs> Without using the word stupid, of course. You can think it, but not say it. Um, hey, let me add on that. Yeah. So, um, Clean it up, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Orgasm. There's that whole okay, fit thing. I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I lost yeah. some people. Yeah. Some people walked out, so <laughs> help me out, bro. <laughs> Here's the deal on that, okay? So uh, what, I, what I see all the time in my world is uh, if you are physically involved with someone, and let's just, okay, so, so what if you're not having sex, you're having oral sex, all the other stuff that goes along with it, I, I promise you, you are not going to see the relationship correctly. 
Okay, the, the deal is there that if, if you can't communicate, if you're not on the same page spiritually, if your expectations are way off, if you view all of life differently, but things are really good when we're alone together and it feels good to have an orgasm. So therefore it's okay that we can't do this other stuff. That, that's not going to go well. Okay, and so if I could just plead with you on the thing, the whole purity thing. And man, we, we both, JP told you his story. I struggled with that big time in past relationships. The first time Kristen and I dated was not good. Not good at all. Very unhealthy emotionally, physically. Uh, it was not, I'm not proud of the way that I, that I treated my wife and the way that I dishonored the Lord. But what that did, the first time we dated, everything else in our lives were miserable. We, we did not get along well. It was this codependent. I, I was the most pathetic dating man you have ever seen. Okay, the fact. Uh, we worked together. If she was mean to me in the morning, I would go down to the chapel in the hospital where we worked and cried. No, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't awe. I was pitiful, okay? It was so, so beyond compassion and sympathy. It was pathetic. What? Not attractive. Yeah, it was not attractive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But man, I would overlook those, those empty emotions because we were alone together and things, things worked pretty well. It felt good and, you know, we'd feel guilty about it the next day. But then, you know, then we'd, we'd, I'd be go pathetic again and then somehow we'd come together. And it was just this vicious cycle. We didn't see the relationship clearly because all of the physical stuff tainted everything we saw. And so let me just plead with you. Make your decision on who you're going to marry, not based on how things go in the bedroom or how far you go or how good it feels, but are you aligned in Christ? Do you communicate well? Are you on the same page? Because I promise you as a married man that you're going to spend a lot more time communicating, talking about money, talking about expectations than you are doing the fun stuff in the bedroom. Okay, there'll be plenty of time for both, but you're going to need to learn how to communicate and you want to be aligned. Mm -hmm. Good. Good, yeah. Um, I just said if you're if you're running towards Christ, you're fleeing sexual immorality, and so you know that that's just an easy rule of thumb. And how far is too far? Am I running hard towards Christ? Uh, there there is no too far with Christ and too far in your relationship with Him. And so pursue Him, reckless abandonment, and you'll get the other stuff right. Um, marriage is way down statistically. That's our generation's fault. Uh, we're the ones that did that. Uh, marriage is way way down. So if you ever see a statistic that says something like divorce is way down, it's it's saying uh, the number of divorces down because marriage is way down. The percentage of divorce per per marriage is actually way up. And so just just so you guys know that cohabitation is way up. And so there's some you can learn here like if you want to get married don't cohabitate do you know the the success rate of cohabitation you'll see lots of statistics out there the success rate of cohabitation is uh so 90 percent of people who live together before they're married don't actually get married that's high isn't it isn't that really high 90 percent of people who live together um and don't actually get married Crazy. So they either break up or they stay unmarried. That's a fact. 90%. Okay, check this out. Of the 10% who do get married, 80% of those get a divorce. So the divorce rate's 52%. 80% of those who cohabitate and get married actually divorce. You know what that means? The success rate of cohabitation is? 2%. So out of 100 people who live together before they're married, two get uh, to, to actually stay married. Now, I don't know if they stay happily married. And so statistically, it's just not a very good idea. That's statistically. But, but, but here's, here's what I hate about that. 
is everybody responds to the statistic. They're like, oh, I don't want to do it if it's not going to work. Don't do it because God says don't do it. Okay? Don't do it because the, heaven, because the creator of the heavens and the earth said it's a bad idea. So if you read a statistic that says, well, uh, you know, 98% of people who cohabitate have successful marriages. All right? Uh, that doesn't mean that that's what you should do. We don't judge obedience by the outcome. We judge obedience based on what Scripture says, what God says. And so, but, but usually uh, the outcome aligns with what he says. And so that's kind of what we have going for us. Um, uh, let me go... First Timothy 5, to give you another scripture, says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. And then it goes on to say this interesting thing. It says, with absolute purity. And so um, there's, just, there's, a, there's a truth there in the scripture where God is showing us just these ideas. And so, you know, date with absolute purity purity that that's that's really important the scriptures kind of point that out to us in a way that's really important if you ever meet someone that's wanting to justify that every now and then i'll get these obscure emails or or it'll come by the way the blog like well the bible's you know doesn't say premarital sex is a sin that's crazy that's justification for sin if that's where you're at we'd love to talk to you and and just show you the scriptures that say otherwise lastly as we wrap up and and greg's going to come up and and field your questions so we're going to take just some spend some time on your questions date in community what does this mean there's lots of proverbs that just say this one idea about 16 proverbs that say this idea that wisdom comes from the counsel of many why is it so important to date with uh, with purity i'm sorry with community in community why is it important here's why uh, because love makes you do crazy things okay and so the second that you really 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 like someone like everything else goes out the window and you need someone to kind of tell you which way is north because the compass just gets all jacked up. And so the second that, that you, those feelings get involved, like that, that's why you've done, you just look at backwards in the relationships you've had. Like the dumb stuff you've done, it's because there were a lot of feelings involved, right? And let's be honest, like our track record's not very good. Like it's almost like we don't know what's good for us because every relationship we ever had has ended, Right? Okay, and, and so like here we are, and so I'm just saying, hey, there, there's you know there, there's a reason that companies are ran by boards, and there's a reason that churches are ran by elders. You know, the scripture says wisdom comes from the council of many. In, in Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse four, it just says their friends praise their love more than wine. It's like their friends, the friends of these two lovers, had an insight into how they were going to love each other. Then it said they were more excited about the way that they loved each other uh, than than um, than the wedding itself, than the party itself. And so here's what this means, and this is what I want you to hear. The Bible, the, the reason there's no examples of dating in the Bible and the scriptures is because in the scriptures it was arranged marriages. I am, now wait for the punchline, I am very pro-arranged marriage, okay? I think it's biblical. I think it's what we should do to statistically still the lowest divorce rate, arranged marriage. And so what we're going to do now is there's about half of you men, half of you women. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let, let me tell you, you guys are, oh, they're very excited. Like, yeah, I got a couple. <laughs> Wow. Okay. We'll do that. Maybe. Maybe we'll do that from here on out. Okay. Uh, so let me, let me tell you what I mean by arranged marriage. Okay. And this is why you got to be really careful with online dating too. Uh, here's what I mean by arranged marriage. Oh man, I know you and I know him. Oh, that just makes sense. Oh no, no. I know him well. Oh yeah. No, we went to high school together. Oh, we served together at the porch. No, we, we go to church together. Oh, and I know you. Oh yeah, man. I think you guys make a lot of sense. Definitely. Like y'all, y'all should be together. 
And so when your community's coming around you, it's like, oh man, yeah, we know him. Like, it, you know, when I say don't date a stranger, it's like because you're, there's like this kind of observation period. And I know that's ideal and it, it may not always work that way, but I do think it's, it's an incredible way is when you're serving together and you see someone, you're like, man, I just, I know her. Like I know how she, you know, interacts in these different environments. Our groups of friends hang out together. Can I just be really honest with you? Like, can I give you the kind of the bad news, but it's good news? is the people you can marry, it's a relatively very small group. Like the people that are available to you, it's a, it's a tiny, tiny group of people when you consider the whole world, right? First of all, they've got to be sold out for Jesus. Like, I mean, how many, you know, there's, <laughs> we're the minority, you know, the, the whole sold out for Jesus group, that, that eliminates most of the world right there. And then ideally, I mean, you're all running similar paces towards Christ, equally yoked, you know, and, and then it, it helps out if you, if you have, you know, the, the, the beliefs the same. So not just that you're a Christian, but we, we go to the same church or at least the same type of church. I mean, that really helps out. We're both living life in community. I mean, these are things that will really help you out. They're not, they're not like hard and fast rules. Like it's not sin. If my boyfriend's, you know, in between community groups, I'm, I'm in sin. No, you're not in sin, but it, but it will help you out. Okay. And so it's just, it's a relatively small group. And so date uh, intentionally, date with purity, and date in the context of community. There's some lists there that, that you might find interesting that we just pulled from the scriptures. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll, go, we'll, just, we'll go to questions there, unless you want to add something. Yep, good. All right. I want to get out of uh, Scott's Twitter account here and uh, back into that. If you guys want to know what Scott really thinks, you can check out some of the tweets that went out from this guy at, at Kadersha over the last 30 minutes or so. And I think you guys will be uh, entertained. All right. There, is, uh, there are 42 uh, questions. So you guys are going to have to not be pastors and kind of work kind of quickly through uh, some of these. Can you all do that? Hey, what does that mean? You're talking there, to right? JP then, I think. <laughs> it's hurtful. Yep. There's... Uh, there's a couple questions about your, your shoe and sock combo. Gonna... <laughs> go, go on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My little girl picked out my clothes right. tonight. That's okay. All right. Seriously. Um, this is a good one. I'm probably going to do a lot of the controversial ones and the ones I think might stump you guys. So start with those. Can a girl ask a guy out? No, right. Kadersha, you'll take the first yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> guess how Scott Kadersha and Kristen Kadersha got back together in Woo! the year 2000. Uh, Kristen asked me out. So um, besides that one situation, the answer is no. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, okay, to, uh, to, a couple thoughts. One, um, there is no answer in the Bible that says yes or no. A man can ask a woman out. A woman can ask a man out. There's no, nothing in there that's going to tell what well, we do know, if you look throughout the scripture, specifically Ephesians 5, we see this design that the husband is the head of the relationship. And so therefore, that means that, that the man is to lead. And so we'd see that as the biblical pattern that precedes not marriage, but also I mean, it goes into dating as well. And so the ideal would be that the guy is the one who asks the woman out. You know, there, there's a lot of great couples out there where it took place a different way, i.e. Scott and Kristen Kadersha. That is not the ideal. I think the ideal world, the guy would, would pursue and be the one to ask her out. Great. I would just add real quick, like here's one thing that I see. And uh, ladies, I'm going to give you like just some gold advice, I think. Uh, it's like a secret. And so like guys, earmuffs, okay? Because I don't want y'all mad at me. <laughs> I'm about to give this away. Like, like guys like 
girls. Like we like, like girly <laughs> girls, you know. And, and so it's okay. Like if you're not a girly girl, like I know that that's offensive. But, but here's what I, I want you to hear. Like listen, listen, listen. <laughs> you don't have to pretend to be a guy. Like I see, I see girls doing this goofy stuff where, like listen, if you like football, that's great. But don't pretend to like football because he likes football. Because you'll turn him on. Like that's not going to be attracted to him. Okay, believe it or not, it's really counterintuitive. I, pro- I know it is. I know it's really counterintuitive. All right? And so, I, listen, if you, if you like hiking or camping, like, awesome, then, then love it. Like, be who God made you to be, but don't be something different than God who made, made you to be for him. Okay, that, that's not going to go well for you. I see it all the time. All the time. It's really counterintuitive. And so, can a girl ask a guy, I don't, I don't know, just be, be careful. I, I don't, I mean doesn't say and so I don't know that I would say but be cautious I don't see that out anywhere in here Ruth would become the closest though and that's just weird so (laughs) nice all right moving on Um, let's talk about group dating versus one-on-one dating you guys you meet guy you know wants to ask her out should he wait to do a group date or or one-on-one is which which is better go ahead pastor yeah it's just like all these questions I'll say all these questions like they're um Guys, like, if, if the Bible doesn't say it, like, I'm not going to say it. And so I know you've read some, you, maybe you read Kiss Dating Goodbye or something. And so, like, there's, there's wisdom principles. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if you go out in a group, like, I, I love the whole, like, process of observing. Uh, but what will happen is people will come up in the church and they'll, like, put this hard and fast. Well, that's the only way you got a group. If you're not dating in groups, it's sin. <laughs> Show me where, where, where did that happen? And, and so, you know, I think there's wisdom to dating in groups. I really do. I think that's, that's a great practice. Like your community group and their community group and let's go hang out. Man, I love it. I, I wouldn't date in her apartment. I think there's wisdom in not dating in your apartment. Um, but, but if you want to go on a one-on-one date at Starbucks and, and you're dating someone radically sold out for Jesus, like, uh, so be it. I'm great. I'm good. great with that. Good. Awesome. Scotty, you good? You're great. You good too? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, all right. We, uh, we, are, we are fighting a lot. Uh, in our dating relationship, um, when when do you go? Hey, we can keep working through our differences, or hey, we're dating, we're not real compatible, and let's kind of punt. How do we know which is, which is better? Yeah, good. I'll take that. So, uh, um, you're going to conflict. If you're not, that means you're probably not being real with each other. And so, conflict is normal. It is inevitable in relationships. It happens in any any, in a re- any relationship that. Uh, that moves closer to one another, there's going to be conflict. When two sinners come together, there's going to be conflict. And so the presence of conflict does not disqualify a relationship. The converse of that, if you are not fighting, you're not having hard conversations, that's not a badge of honor. And so I often hear a couple say, well, we've never had a fight, therefore we should get married. Often the reason why you don't have a fight, often, not always, is because you're suppressing your feelings and you're not, you're not being real with each other. And so you're going to have conflict. What, what I would say is that if you cannot uh, resolve conflict, that is always an indicator of broken marriages. Okay, that's one of the top indicators of, of, uh, of marriages that could divorce is the inability to resolve conflict. The good thing about conflict resolution is that it is very skills-based. And so we can teach you things. You can learn things from counseling, premarital counseling, from merge, from relationships, from the porch, and how to better communicate and conflict with each other. And so that's not a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker if you don't improve once you've learned some skills. Yeah, I think it's the number one cause of, of or the number one determiner of divorce is, is uh, 
inability to resolve conflict, at yeah. least in some studies. And I would just add and take a different angle. Look across the room, and if that person is, and I sound like a broken record because I mean it and because I love you and I want God's best for you. If that person is radically sold out for Christ, you know, and you're radically sold out for Christ, and you're, you're in conflict, then, then there are some skills you can learn. Like, we can teach you how to resolve conflict. Um, but if, if the conflict is rooted in the idea that you're not radically sold out for Christ, like, like if he's throwing an F-bomb at you or something, like, it's probably time to, to run and like, hey, lose my number and, you know, we're, we're, we're done. So. Yeah, let, me, let me give you some communication gold. A lot of you know this verse. James one nineteen. My four-year-old has it memorized. You can memorize it. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Okay, our tendency is to do the opposite, to be quick to speak, quick to get angry, slow to listen. You apply that, you'll learn how to communicate well. Done. Boom. It's really good. It's really helpful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, can guys and girls be friends? Isn't that, isn't that harmless? Why, why do I hear so many people uh, encouraging me against that? A lot, a lot of questions about that. Yeah, uh, yeah you can be friends. Uh, you know, if you're not in a relationship, and if you're in a relationship, you need to reconsider what those friendships look like and, and begin to understand what the person that you're seriously dating towards marriage uh, thinks about them. And then I would just say, uh, there's this other piece where, like I'll hear from ladies, and we, we said this on Tuesday, where they say, well, I get along better with guys. And so I just, you know, I don't have, I'm not friends with girls. I just get along better with guys. Well, that's because guys don't make you go deep in relationships. They don't make you resolve conflict as a single person. And so if you're a woman, you need to have healthy relationships with women. Like that's really important. And if you can't, and if you don't, then you need to look at yourself and consider why. Likewise with guys, like if you're the guy that and all your friends are women, like you, you need to have healthy relationships with guys. It's weird because those healthy relationships with guys will, will be better training for marriage than all the relationships that you have with women and vice versa. And so, uh, yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's really clear. Um, all right, lots of questions about uh, pasts, right? So sharing, you know, we all have baggage, we all have pasts, and so talk about the wisdom and, and sharing that uh, if and when uh, as it relates to, to dating. <laughs> nice. I've never been asked that question before. Um, that is one of the, <laughs> so me- the most common questions we get asked, you know, especially in Merge. So I mean, a couple thoughts. Again, um, uh, yeah, uh, lots of thoughts. How to, how to condense them? Uh, you got some ready yeah, to go. Gathering one. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, like, careful with the just it, it, and like forget baggage. Even careful with the emotional dump on like the first conversation, like the me too conversation. You guys have anybody had the me too conversation? Oh, me too. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. I like cats. Me too. I like dogs. Me too. You know, and so um, and so that first conversation, it's not the time to say, well, let me tell you. I just got a relationship and, and can I share all the kinky stuff with you my ex-boyfriend wanted me to do and what we did. And I, like that's just, that's not a best practice. But as this thing is progressing, it's progressing like, like you're like, hey man, we're going to get married. There, there is a time where we would encourage you to sit down and, and share everything that the other person needs to know. Does that make sense? And so like for some people, man, they want the gritty details. And I, again, I want to make sure you heard the first part. This is not first date conversation. It's not even second date conversation. This is like, hey, I'm serious. I think this is progressing to marriage. Maybe we're engaged. Maybe it's right before we get engaged. Okay, hey, it's time to talk about past. And now at that time, 
hey, you need, you need to communicate anything they want to know. And so, you, like, if, you, if you've had an abortion and you're like, I'm not going to tell anyone, like, it's time to tell. If they want to know, like, that's, or not, not even if they want to know, that's, that's good stuff to communicate. And people will say things, well, with God, grace, you know, it covers everything. That's true, but you're about to be one with a person. That, that's what the scripture says, is spiritual oneness. And so it's just, it, you know, it's great to have those conversations. If you had sex, if you, um, you know, any, any, all of those things, like they may want to know, like, hey, tell me about that. And what did that, what was that like? And just, you need to communicate what they want to know. Now, one more thing. If you say, well, I don't want to know anything. One, check your heart. Make sure you're saying that for the, the right reasons. And if you are, if you're that person where, hey, I, want, I don't want to know anything, then you're, you're forfeiting the right to say, you know, five years from then, okay, hey, now, now I want to know everything so that I can hold that against you. You, you, so that, that's the time. Anything to add? Good. Yeah, so just be cautious with details. And so you don't need to know where, what she did, what she was wearing, or what he was. He probably wasn't wearing anything. And so uh, be careful with details. And then you just don't want there to be like, I'm going to give you 75% of it, and then somewhere down the road, like all the rest of the details are going to come out. So you're going to say, well, we really didn't have sex. Um, you know, we just touched each other. And then down the road, well, we actually had oral sex. And then... Now, it wasn't, technically it wasn't oral sex, it was really intercourse. And so there's just more and more details come out down the road. And so don't, don't let that happen. Um, she's not your accountability partner, he's not your accountability partner. And so pornography is, is one that's going to come up. Ladies, if you're dating someone, uh, he probably struggles with porn in some degree. Okay, lust is something that he struggles with, I guarantee it. We asked this question in, in Merge, how many of you struggle with lust? 70, 70% say yes. The other 30% are liars. liars. Yes. And so guys, guys struggle with lust. It's something we're visually wired, almost all of us. And so lust is going to be an issue. Pornography is going to be an issue. There needs to be some level of, of sharing. This is an issue and a struggle for me. But she is not my accountability partner. In the same way, Kristen is not my accountability partner in marriage. It would not bless her to know every time I looked at a woman lustfully or had, had a lustful thought. I've got a community group of guys that shepherd me through that. Kristen needs to know when I have sinned, when I've crossed a line, when I've looked at something I shouldn't. But every time I have a, a lustful thought, I repent of it. I'll tell my community group, but Kristen doesn't need to know that. She's not my accountability partner. Same thing when you date. One thing I want to caution you about is that if you have uh, never had sex with anyone and you're dating someone who has, some of you think you are owed a virgin. You're not owed a virgin. When you do that, you say somehow that your sin is less significant than his sin. And his sin becomes more valuable, more significant, a higher price to pay than yours. And so if, you, if you've not had sex before, way to go. So encouraged. I know a lot of you in here, that's your story. A lot of you have another story. Okay, and you've repented of it and you moved on. That doesn't mean that you are better or worse than the other person. And so you're not owed a virgin. Agree on all accounts. That's good. All right, let's see what else we got. Uh, did JP and Scott's wife really date in the past? No. No, I think that's a no. All right. Um, what? All right. Here's, here's an interesting one. Um, my family isn't on board with, with my relationship. It's a great relationship. I'm guessing it's, you know, both believers. My family's not on board. Um, how, would, how would you encourage me? It's a great question. So it depends on who your family is and what, and what, they, what they believe. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, 
If you come from a non-believing family and you are dating someone who loves Jesus, every single person in your life loves this guy or loves this girl and your parents don't, I I would take caution. They are your parents. They brought you into the world. You want to honor them. You want to understand why they don't approve, but you don't have to have their approval. Bottom line, I hate to say it, and I'm going to, I hope this is recorded because someday if my kids come to me mm-hmm. and they want my approval and I don't approve, they don't have to have it. Bottom line, I want them to honor me and I want them to understand why, but they don't have to have parents' approval. Okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had another I'll stop. What would, you, what would you add? I would just say, like, there's, there's good reasons uh, for them not to approve. And so listen to character reasons. If yeah. they disapprove because of character reasons, that, that's a good reason. Like, listen closely. If it's, if it's like color of skin or yeah. something like that, like, that's not a good reason for them to disapprove. Yeah. And so consider what the reason is. Hear them out. Hear them out respectfully. They are your parents. Um, but at the end of the day, as Scott said, you may disagree. But if it's a character issue, Man, I would yield to that. That may be the Holy Spirit speaking. Particularly if they're believers, that may be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Yeah, and the, the role of the family has changed over the years. You know, back in, the, back in the day, people got married at 21 years old, 22 years old. Parents were very involved in the relationship. Now folks tend to get married later and later in life. And so you move away from mom and dad. They're not as involved in your day-to-day life. And so uh, if your parents are aligned with community, with those around you, and they don't approve, I put a lot of stock in it. If they are not aligned with what those who really know you, who are involved in your life, you still do process it, especially if it is a character issue, but it doesn't have to have equal weight to those who are really living life with you. That's good. Good. Love it. All right. Uh, two-part question here. First part is good. If, if we go out on one date, um, does the guy, and there's going to be no more dates, you know, if the guy doesn't want to ask her out again or she doesn't want to go out again, does that need to be communicated intentionally or can it just go unsaid as... Is he done ask her out or? Uh, yeah. uh, that's one thing we actually forgot to cover. It's just yep. like the breakup. Yep. That's, yeah. I meant to say that with the whole intentional piece. He's like, yeah, letting people know where they stand. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the message there. And so, yes, like, like that's a part of growing up and being an adult. And it's, it, you know, again, we don't agree obedience. We don't judge obedience by the outcome. Like you may hurt their feelings and be careful, but do present the whole truth too. And that's the other thing is I see like girls are like, I see these, I see dumb things happening in the church, like where they're like, oh, I, I can't date right now because I'm in regen and I can't date for a year. And then like the next week you're dating somebody else. And the, the truth is you just don't want to date him. And so you need to say that, hey, I'm not interested in you. You know what I mean? You need to communicate that. Hey, I don't, hey man, tonight was, I had a good time. Um, I don't see this going anywhere. Uh, you know, we can be friends or whatever that is. Like, hey, I'll see you around the church, but I, I, I probably won't ask you on another date. That's good. Hmm. Great. All right, follow up. Um, if there are character issues that you notice in your couple dates, um, is it loving to confront those and say, hey, here's some things that I, I kind of noticed in our dating, or can we just trust God and let the community kind of work those out? Is it loving to, to confront them on those things? Yeah, I mean, just when, I mean, in the church like let's not even make this about dating when you see character issues amongst a brother or sister in Christ like it's loving to, to to point them out do so in a way that's loving okay like you're not like the judge you're not just someone to stand there and, I mean make sure you do that in a loving way I, mean, I assume there's a relationship there that allows you to do that uh, you're not their community and so you're not like you're not their accountability partner but that may be the character issue right the character issue may be in and of itself hey you're just not living life in community. 
And so like I, I just, the, the person that I want to spend more time with, the person that I want to date, the way that you want to spend time with me, I want them to be in the context of community. And so that's the character issue. You know, that's the thing I'm pointing out or whatever. So I, I would just say, I would say yes, again, in a loving way, in a way that's appropriate. But not, and then if you're the guy that's walking around the church like, hey, and by the way, you, and, and by the way, you, and by the way, you, then you have a character issue. <laughs> All right. Um, and I'm pointing it out. <laughs> Yep. All right. Um, let's talk about really big age differences. So uh, any thoughts on that? It, you know, can we date a, someone that's significant uh, age apart from us? Because the Bible says within five years. Yeah. Of each other. All right. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> does it not? I don't think it I don't, does. I've never okay. seen that. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I think um, that's where the role of community, family comes into play. Evaluate the relationship, not so much the age. I, I'd lump that in with, with you know with skin color. It's not. It's not. Uh, you don't base it on that. Now there are things that are going to be differences. There are going to be challenges, uh, and so you want to be very mindful of those and be aware of them. But there's no sin in dating somebody who's older. There's no appropriate or inappropriate age gap. I just definitely would ask community and, and have right reasons if it's not going to move forward. And Age obey the laws of the land. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in, I mean, yeah, serious. Yeah. Just be maybe, maybe we should we spend some that. time on that. <laughs> Romans 13, if you need a scripture. <laughs> All right. Um, who's, who's older, you or Monica? Uh, we're the, we're the, I'm older by months. Okay. Good, just yeah. curious. Because right. she's or, a lot more mature than me, so I wasn't you sure which. Uh, Miss Kadersha. Yeah, actually, my, my bride is a, is a is a few. Can I say? Twenty seven yeah. years older. Yes. No, no. I'm just <laughs> she's three years and a day older than me. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I, I know it. it looks like a lot more, doesn't it? No, no. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, okay. just close this down. All right. Let me pray. Is that, a, that's a, is that a character issue? That is it. Yeah, yeah. So I wanna, I, and I, before no. we go any further, I'd no. like to point out a character issue character in my friend issue. here. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. You get move on from that. Um, I just, you are so beautiful. Yeah. 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 yeah, I feel like this is a good opportunity to practice some conflict resolution again. Yeah. So, yeah. By all uh, means. I'm sorry. Will you that's, please forgive me for that stupid comment? Yeah, thank you. And that's yeah. why he yeah. said that. He yes. wanted to display, d- demonstrate yeah. to you guys. It was all planned. Yeah. yeah. We're going to need some flowers in the back for Scotty on the way out. Um, okay, long distance dating. Any thoughts? Lots of questions about that. Um, wisdom principles on that encouragement yeah i think what's the um what's the biblical rule on how many miles yeah well isaac and rebecca there was yeah they're a long way yeah. Miles. uh that is one again i don't i don't know if i have a there's no biblical response to it on how to how to answer that question uh, i've seen some couples do that really really well and so some of the advantages of of, of long distance dating is that you actually are forced to communicate more and so when you only get to see each other over Skype or FaceTime, uh, you get to be more, actually probably get more time on the phone. And so I've seen couples do that really, really well. Uh, one thing I would just caution you on, that the obvious is that when you go visit one another, you get this short, intense period of time with one another. One, I would tell you, please do not spend the night with that person in their room. 
Okay? Find another place to stay. Find a couch and make sure they've got roommates that are watching you. Uh, that is something that, that often happens. Somebody will go visit a significant other. Watching in the right way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to clarify that one. <laughs> like evaluating. Like creep, you, creep me out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to point out a, a character issue of, of, yeah. of perversion. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Just call I it out. that. Yep. Yep. I received <laughs> that. Fact. Tell me something I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, somebody that I don't even know what I was saying. So when you go visit them out of town, make sure you have accountability, not someone watching, okay? Uh, watching in a biblical way, not in that kind of biblical way. Um, yeah, and the, 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 I think one of the challenges that you just, again, you don't get the interaction time on a day-in, day-out basis. You don't get to serve together. You don't get to, uh, your friends don't get to observe them. And so, again, in a, in a good way, not a creepy way. Your friends don't get to see them the way they interact, the way their, their character is. Uh, it's a lot harder to get more interface, more time with them. And so just be really, really cautious. Uh, one of the things that we've done around here that I think has helped that, you know, Merge, Merge is our premarital class that we do for couples that are seriously dating and engaged. Uh, it's designed for couples that live in Dallas that can come to eight weeks of a class. One of the challenges we had is that we had a lot of couples that one or both of them live out of town or they live in different cities. And so we've offered merge to on weekends for couples where they live out of town. And so at a minimum, I'd, I'd recommend premarital prep for every couple, every couple that's uh, seriously dating and engaged. But if you live out of town, absolutely, please do something that will give you counsel, that will uh, speak in your marriage, where you'll be equipped on relationships. And so we've started doing merge a couple times a year over a weekend for couples that live out of town. Yeah, it's good. I mean, Monica and I dated long distance. I mean, we're just we're at the. You're choosing your problems, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the Bible doesn't say anything about that. We really the theme of this will be: Hey, we're firm where the Bible's firm, yeah. and flexible where the Bible's flexible. And so you you when you uh, date long distance, just be wise, and in the context of your community, allow them to speak into what wisdom looks like. It's good. Speaking of merge, um, some questions on timing. You know, just I, I know there's a watermark formula, Scott. It's like you date for six months yeah. and then you go to merge, and three months you get engaged and you're married in a year. I mean, that's just kind of the stop the formula. Down. He's just kidding. Y'all are like, <laughs> yeah, fevers. I saw you. It's a, it's a joke. Uh, but I, just I talk, heard, talk that was, that was new to me. I just learned about the watermark formula yeah, well, a couple well, days ago from Greg. And so did they. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but talk about pace and just timing and, and any principles that would kind of guide that. Yeah. So, you know, one, one of the things we always say about merge, this is not like for second date, third date, fourth date. If it is, like if, you're, if somebody asks you to do merge after a second or third date, I'd probably break up. You know, I, I wouldn't. I would, that's just, merge is designed for couples that are thinking of getting engaged or for couples that are engaged and are getting married. And so if you're at that point where you're thinking of dropping some money on a ring, if you're about to put a ring on it, that's probably a really good time to go through merge. What I would suggest is to make that decision in community. Talk with your community group. Make sure she talks with hers, vice versa, so that you're evaluating and making that decision not in isolation. You're getting input from others on what's appropriate timing for merge. That's good. All right. Um, I hear people talk about being content in the Lord in, as a single person. You guys hit on this a little bit. Um, so that, that idea balanced against in the scriptures where, where God said, hey, it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And so we talked about that from a community perspective a little bit. But just kind of talk about that balance and, and what that looks like. 
Oh, ask, ask again. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got lost in my long question. <laughs> um, being content, like, hey, I'm good being yeah. a single person versus oh, yeah. it's not good. You know, God said about Adam to, to be alone, for man to be alone. So, so talk through. It's just kind Ma- of both Matthew 19. I mean, Jesus talks about, uh, like, some people have a little bit legitimate calling on their life uh, uh, for singleness. And so, you, like, you know, you're pro- you know if, if you knew that, you probably wouldn't be here. Um, but but there's folks that would say, hey, for the sake of the kingdom, he talks about a eunuch. A eunuch is someone who has gone to great lengths to be committed to singleness, uh, to just literally castration. And uh, and so I wouldn't do that, first of all. And, uh, and, and there are folks that have that calling on their lives. And then Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7, a verse we looked at tonight. He just says... Um, you know, about these matters, I, I wouldn't marry. And so he, al- always it is, it's in regard to the situation, the circumstance, and the ministry, uh, the calling on your life. Um, beyond that, there, there's a bunch of scriptures that say, hey, marriage is a good thing. God created it. He created us for it. And, you know, and, and that we're, we're there. And so if you're in a season where you're like, hey, I want to be single. But if you want to be single to like, you know, there's there's dumb reasons to to want to be single, and so that that desire should be rooted in, um, man. I just there's a heart that like God has called me to change the world, and I know that that marriage might hinder that, or a relationship might hinder that. Um, you know, I, I, bottom line, like I had more time uh, for ministry before I had a family. I mean, that's that's the reality, that's the truth. And so today, my ministry is different. They they are my primary ministry. Um, it's good. Yeah, we're we're just we just tend to all be discontent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I know single people that want to be married, married people that wish they were single again, and so just contentness or lack of it is one of our one of our biggest issues, you know. And just to break some of the the stereotypes of marriage, there is um, there's one promise about marriage in the entire Bible. Okay, so we think like when I get married, God's going to make me happy. We're going to have a bunch of kids. We're going to have sex all the time. Everything is going to go exactly like we want. The one promise of marriage says, 1 Corinthians seven twenty eight. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Like that is the most depressing verse about marriage. The one promise says that if you're married, you're going to have trouble. And so you're going to have trouble whether you're single, you're going to have trouble whether you're married. And so don't look at it as I'm discontent because there's a better season or stage of life. Yeah. We got issues wherever we are and challenges wherever we are. Marriage is awesome. Yeah. Uh, there was a girl at, here at Watermark and she just said, hey, I feel like Watermark always yeah. kind of paints this doom yeah. and gloom picture of marriage. Marriage is awesome. That girl's now married and, and she kind of came back and said, hey, now I know why you guys continue to say why it was so hard because it is hard. It, like yeah. that, no, nobody here is thinking about how difficult marriage is. Um, but relationships are difficult, and uh, and it's awesome, and there are benefits, and when you do it God's way, uh, you reap those benefits. Uh, but it is something that you're going to have to work at, and it'll probably be very different than than your expectations uh, are tonight. Yeah, and I, I, so the, the just the opposite of that as well. Of whatever, wh- however hard you think marriage is, it is so much harder. However great you think marriage is, oh man, you don't know. Yeah, it is so good it's so good so good it's like i said before i love being married to Kristen. i'm not just trying to make up for what i said before i promise it is so good and so it's okay to desire that uh and and we do i think around here we we paint this marriage is hard and you're all going to die okay and so in some ways you do you have to die to yourself 
You've got to put those selfish desires behind you. And so it is really hard, but man, it is, it is awesome. I just want, and I'm not trying, I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to tell you, like, whatever your picture is of marriage, it's so, so much better. It's, and it's so stinking hard. Okay. It's both of those, two-sided coin. That's good. Why don't we go two more? Two more. All right. Um, JP, uh, I love you. Um, it's, it's something that's, you know, thrown around a lot. People are talking about that. And, you know, should, should you say that in a dating relationship or not yeah, yeah. before? What were you thinking? Oh, man. Yeah. What kind of dating relationship are we Seriously. talking about here? Is this but yeah. ser- in all seriousness, uh, you know, is that uh, something that should be said, thrown around in a dating relationship, engagement? Uh, what, what are y'all's thoughts on that? And just be careful. I mean, I mean, consider uh, th- there's a type of person, you know, I know, and, and they just say that in every relationship. And you just cheapen the word. And so love is, uh, there's a point I didn't actually cover too, I'm realizing this. Uh, I, you know, when, when do I date? You date, date when you know what love is. And love is a verb. Love is sacrificial. And when you look in the scriptures of how I'm to love my wife, Ephesians 5.25 says that I'm to love her as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Uh, it says, First, first Peter 3.7 says that I'm to strive to live with her in an understanding way. Um, and so love is a, it's a selfless giving. And society has made love this selfish emotional rush, which has ruined it. And it's ruined marriage. And statistics show that. And so until you uh, can love someone selflessly, and until you are loved selflessly, I would not say it. And so that's not, you know, that's not, uh, not going to be early in the relationship, most likely. Cool. Good. All right. Last one. Um, just, just what would you say to, just to the men and to the women out there? What would be one kind of last thing that you guys would say? Encouragement to the men and encouragement to the women. And then we'll uh, yes, shut great. it down. Great. Yeah, I think um, for the women, I uh, just want to tell you the Lord loves you and do not settle. Okay, that, that is the biggest issue I see is godly women settling for ungodly men. Uh, for men who are passive, who are weak, they're good looking and they make money. And so therefore you settle. And I just want to tell you, please don't. I love you, care for you. And the Lord does so much more. And so don't settle. For the guys, um, you know, to walk with the Lord. Man up. You know, I, I'm not, there's some guys out there that, uh, Mark Driscoll's a pastor in, in Seattle. He just says, he thinks guys that are single just sit in their pajamas all day and play video games and look at porn. I, I don't think that lowly of you at all. Not, not even close. I know many of you are, are chasing after the Lord. And I would just tell you to do that. It's more of it. Get in community. Work on your sin. Uh, learn, learn what it means to lead. I think what JP said before when he talked about love, your biggest challenge, your role as a godly husband is to do something that is literally impossible. It's to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the way that Christ loved the church is that he laid his life down for her. He put all of his desires aside to serve the church, to save us, a sinful people. And so you're called to do something that's going to follow in his footsteps. And so literally impossible to do. And so start practicing those things. Learn what it's like to lay your life down aside for somebody else. Be selfless, serve, grow in your relationship with Christ. That's good. Daniel, can you throw that uh, family picture back up? If you're back there. Uh, no rush. Um, wow, that was fast. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> uh, um, I would just say... Uh, yeah, my message would be a really simple one. Um, 
to to the guys. It, my, our jobs are hard because uh, particularly I spend a lot of time with single people, and I, I get uh, here's what happens: I, I get long emails telling me I'm wrong all the time, and then those folks go and they get married and they come back and apologize. I mean, that's 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 what the ministry. That's kind of the ebb and flow of the ministry. And so single folks always say, "Hey, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." And then and then they experience something else, and uh, you know and and realize there's, I got no agenda here other than, you know, to, to teach and preach truth. And I don't, so I don't say that arrogantly. I'm just standing on the word of God. Um, so to, to guys, I would say, uh, you know, to beat, to, to beat this dead horse, I would say be someone radically sold out for Christ. You know if you are or not. If you're not, be, you, you need to, before you leave here, put together a plan of what does it mean to surrender more of my life, to be radically sold out for Christ. And then I would begin to inform your heart to look for someone who's radically sold out for Christ. Um, Someone who loves Jesus is very beautiful to me. That was not always the case. But since I've been in the, the church, I mean, I'm, I'm surrounded by beautiful women all the time. Uh, and, and I mean, even in the worldly sense of just at the porch, there's beautiful women everywhere at the porch. Um, but those that really love Christ uh, more and more just are beautiful to me. And I, I mean that in a respectful, holy way. Um, and, and so, guys, be someone who loves Jesus and look for someone who loves Jesus. And, and then this is the really practical part. Ask someone out who loves Jesus, okay? Like, just, just go out on a limb. I'm not saying ask them to marry you. I'm saying to ask them to coffee, okay? In a group, of course. Uh, and, then, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, and then ladies, uh, ladies here, here's what I say, is be someone radically sold out for Jesus. If You know if you are or not, okay? You know if you, when I said baggage claim and it got uncomfortable in your heart and you, you know, you know where you're at. I mean, you do. You don't need me to explain it. And so just as you go home, maybe cancel your plans tonight, spend some time with God and just say, man, I want to I do this thing right. And so be someone who's radically sold out for Christ and, and look for someone who's radically sold out for Christ. And when that guy asks you out, if he loves Jesus, say yes, okay? Give him a shot. You're not saying yes to marriage. You're saying yes to coffee. So just give him a shot. If he loves Jesus, say yes. Give him a shot. And then lastly, I'll just end with this. Is I, I, you know, this picture, uh, it, it's a, I, I love the picture. She did a great job. And, uh, and we're all smiles. And I mean, even baby boy is smiling up there. And, but but here's, here's what you need to know is like right before that picture, I mean, uh, Monica and I were in an argument on the way there. Uh, Weston was screaming because he's teething. And, and Presley and Finley were fighting. And so we can, we, we can make it look good, mm. uh, but it's really hard. And so like last week, I got this call, like my dad has a heart attack. And, um, and so we jump in the car, we drive six hours to go see him. Well, my, my son, my one-year-old, he screamed the entire way. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been through that, but it's like waterboard tor- torture or something. It's really awful. And, um, and, and the girls, uh, you know, one of them was sick. And, um, and Monica was, was having a hard time too. She wasn't feeling well. There's like this bug moving through our family. And, uh, and, and, it, and it's just like life comes at you fast, as they say. And so like my wife, and I mean this in the most appropriate way possible, my wife's smoking hot, man. Okay, but that's like the least practical thing about her. You feel me? Like I don't need a trophy wife, man. I need someone to go to war with. Like, like life's a battle. Okay, and so like I love the fact that she's beautiful. That's like the cherry on the top, okay? I love that I love her. That's great. I, I love that. But, but that's, not, that's not getting the, the ball down the field when, when, you know, here's the truth. It's Friday night and I'm here with you. Like somebody has to be home taking care of those three guys. Okay? And so there's a part of this, this idea of marriage is really practical that's lost in the world today. Like we think it's just some fun experience. And like there's a part of it that's this God-ordained institution that's it's like this, it's a practical element to it. 
And so if you're single and, and you're not even dating, like prepare yourself for marriage by being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Like use the gifts and talents and, and, and just continue to grow up. <laughs> continue to become an adult. That's really important in marriage, that you're an adult because you're going to have to raise adults at some point. So that's all I would say. I love you guys. I'm for you, man. If we can serve you in any way, there's, there's two um, ministries that God is using in incredible ways, frankly, like nothing I've never ever seen. And so I don't know if you would say anything else, but then we pray. Yeah, I just, just along those lines, um, we gave you some resources. There's a lot of bad stuff out there on dating and relationships and marriage. We just come through. This is some of the best stuff that we know of. If you're looking for something to read, I, you know, some of you don't like to read, and so don't, okay? Some of you do like to read. There's some really good stuff on here. And I mean, I, I just say, you know, I love listening to JP. I don't know anyone that does a better job teaching on dating than we do around here at Watermark. We are, we are richly blessed. If you're a part of this community, part of this body, you get to hear Todd Wagner and JP on, on Sunday, and then you get to hear JP and other folks on Tuesday nights. We are richly blessed by, by some great teaching, and so some good, good series available that we've got listed on the back. Um, yeah, and then just the mer- merge, if you have any questions on that, let us know. Porch, obviously great ministry. A lot of you are here because of that. I won't marry anyone who hasn't gone through merge. You can call me yeah. legalistic if you want, but that's okay. Uh, I, I'm serious about that. I mean, people e- email all the time. And I just, the first question I ask, have you been through merge? Mm-hmm. And if they say no, then I'm like, I'm sorry, man. It's just a, a principle I, I live by. I have to pick and choose based on something. And so uh, I, God's working through it in an incredible way. You look statistically at the divorce rate out of merge, and it will blow your mind. So God is moving through these folks. Yeah, can I, I want to share one thing. Yeah. Our, our goal, one of the things we want to do in, in relationships here at Watermark is that we're, we're trying to reach about 10% of all couples every year that get married in Dallas County. And so last, we got some statistics from a few years ago. 14,000 couples got married in Dallas County a few years ago. Do you, have, do you know how many divorces there were that same year? Take a guess. Do the math. What's 14,000 divided by two? 7,000. 7, so 14,000 got married, 7,000 divorced. It's, we're seeing it in this city where we live in the middle of the Bible Belt. Divorce all over the place around here choose really, really wisely. Our goal is to reach those 10%. And then when we reach 10, it's 15. I'm not going to sleep until we get to 100% of the couples, because this is a big deal. We care about you. We want you to have a marriage that honors the Lord and that brings you life. And so choose really wisely. And we're, we're, you know, I just want to say I'm proud of you for being here mm. on a Friday night. JP, Give yourselves a hand. Beginning. Yeah. 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 Way to go. You want to pray? Yeah, I mean, and I would just say, uh, and training days tomorrow, and there yeah. is a class on uh, using your singleness well in, in the morning, and so training days tomorrow, and so come back tomorrow, and, and uh, you know, if you wanted to take seminary or be in a Bible study or learn the Bible better, there's some really great classes there, so why don't you pray for us? Good. Yeah, I'd love to. God, thank you for time together tonight with these friends. Thank you for these men and women that have put aside some time just to understand more of who you are, your design for relationships. And God, I pray that, that it's been helpful. Help stick what needs to stick and whatever needs to not stick, just pray it goes away and they don't remember it. Uh, thanks for the ways that you've gifted JP and, and, uh, and Greg and the ways that you've used them as well. And thank you for what a great gift marriage is. And we thank you that you made it what it is and how it gets us to know and understand you more. God, I pray that out of this room and out of this church would be marriages 
that bring you honor and glory, that people would look at the relationships in this church and they'd want to know what's different about them, that they'd look behind the way they date, the way they pursue each other, and they'd see Christ. They'd see something, they'd see someone that changes everything. And so God, help us to love you well, to pursue you well, to date each other well in a way that honors you and glorifies you. God, I pray that out of this room, there'd be no divorces that come out of the marriages. Uh, We pray that you would change the hearts of those in this room and in this city, in this church, so that we don't settle and we choose to honor you in the way we pursue each other. Thank you for your word that allows us to understand your love for us. And I pray that that love would guide the way that we pursue each other in relationships and in marriage. We love you. We thank you for our time together in Christ. And we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.